Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to films. And uh, in this way, we help one another to catch up on our cinema. So Kyle, uh, it is the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2019. And what does that mean for catching up on cinema? For catching up on cinema, that cinema that means it's Kyle's Killer October. <laughs> Air horn. Uh, yeah. So this month, uh, I will be taking creative control of the episodes, uh, and I've picked out a few doozies. Uh, three that I've seen. Um, I'm going to be focusing on contemporary horror this month. Uh, movies that Trevor hasn't seen. And I'm actually going to catch up on one that I haven't seen. Um, one that I'm sure you'd like to revisit, uh, but we'll discuss that once we actually get to it. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to kick off this month of Kyle's Killer October with a movie from 2010 called Insidious. Uh-huh. Uh, I've actually been telling you for a long time ever since that you've uh, told me that you really enjoy, you really pay attention to soundtracks. I do. And it's something that ever since I've known you, I've tried to pay attention to more, and yet still... You'll bring it up and like, shit, I didn't pay attention to the soundtrack <laughs> on this one. But I do notice it a bit more, and I'm sure you notice lighting a bit more now that you've been talking to me. Yeah, it, that's that's a funny thing. Like, the, the way we, the baggage that we bring to our, our film experiences. Like, in my mind, I, I always think of you as a sets and lighting guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you always notice the, like, the production details and the design of the, of the elements that inhabit the sets. And lighting, especially. That's, that's something that... Um, Shame on me for not paying as much attention to, because uh, I mean, ever since I was a kid, actually, my my dad was always trying to emphasize to me that's like, you know, eighty percent of the cool shit you're seeing right now is thanks to good lighting. I didn't know what that meant, but these days I'm making an attempt to better understand that. I'd say ninety percent of a racer head for me is just the lighting. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean those those shots are very precise. Um, the the look and the feel of each of those shots. I mean, fuck, there's a reason that movie took what. A decade, close to fifteen years was, to make. I think it was about seven years <laughs> yeah. altogether, uh, filming and editing. Uh, that poor guy with that poor haircut. Yeah, <laughs> Jack Nance. Uh, I was gonna mention. I think I'm an outlier when it comes to soundtracks because a lot of people. My brother actually mentions it quite a bit. The soundtrack, uh, and I have other people. I'm like, really? You pay attention to the soundtrack of all things? I don't know why it goes unnoticed for me. I'm curious about that too because you are a musician. Yeah, like you do. You play instruments. Yeah, like you have. A, you have a mind for music. You have an ear for music. I don't know. I think I'm just so visually fixated on the film and what's happening that the, the soundtrack isn't over there. But now that I'm noticing it, and I think in this movie especially, I notice it even more. And at the time, I noticed it quite a bit, and that's what made this movie stick out to me so much. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so this is, like I said, Insidious from 2010 by director James Wan. Ever heard of him? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this this fella, if you're not aware, uh, Mr. James Wan is having a moment. Yes, he's um, killing it right now. Yeah, actually. he's had a couple of big moments in in the past couple of years. Uh, most recently, like he he did the seventh Fast and Furious movie. Uh, yes, Fast, Fast and Furious Seven, I think. Furious Seven. Furious Seven. Um, he also directed a pretty big box office hit, I might say, uh, Aquaman. Aquaman. Which, uh, we, I, we saw the preview together in theaters, uh, but saw separately in theaters. Yeah, um, 
you were tittering like a little schoolgirl watching that trailer. Patrick Wilson and the <laughs> that underwater fight was just oh my gosh, I could not. It stop was laughing. the hair, I think. The hair I was think, killing me. I think me. the hair was where you lost it because seriously, like, you had your your hand cupped was, over your you had you were biting. I your was hand. biting a knuckle, like, <laughs> trying not to laugh in the theater. We were seeing the predator. predator. Yes, we were seeing so, the predator. <laughs> <laughs> high art <laughs> so I'm just going to drop some knowledge on you real quick so if you're not familiar with uh, James Wan's older stuff uh, he directed Saw in 2004 uh, he also directed this uh, but Dead Silence in 2007 which I think is a better film than Saw and I think still holds up as a PG-13 horror movie I think it gets a bad rap because it's a puppet movie yeah um, honestly, I think that's the entirety of its reputation because I I think I have some friends who've seen it. I haven't seen it personally, but I, I remember being young and seeing the trailer and just being like, well, "It looks stupid." Just yeah. whatever. But it's executed really well, and the I, I believe it. The old lady's very creepy, and uh, this movie. Uh, actually, going back and revisiting it, I've seen scarier movies since this, but I still had quite a few jump scares uh, going back. Um, but I wanted to mention some of the just. Kind of what was happening in the in the, the is it the aughts? Yeah, the the two thousands, not the two thousand tens, the the double zeros as it is. Um, so this came out, uh, and I, I thought maybe the torture genre was picking up around this time. It was I think a, that was the mid two thousand. It was. Uh, I'm not. I don't know who who specifically. I feel like Eli Roth was really uh, really big on that. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake was from two thousand four pretty gruesome like it was it was pretty bloody but it wasn't torture no um, no I, I, i'm almost positive eli roth kind of pioneered that subgenre of horror with with the hostile movies well especially for american audiences yeah uh, no i mean that that shit like audition takashi Miike. there's a reason he's in hostile yeah it's because eli roth likes him well the director from cannibal Ho- uh, cannibal holocaust is in he makes a cameo yeah i think it's in i don't remember if it's the first or second one but no, he definitely e- makes eli a roth wears his influences on his sleeves but I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was really big. Uh, I, w- it, I wouldn't consider it necessarily torture, but it is a pretty graphic remake of the original. It is. Um, it's not that, good. That was the Platinum Dunes. Uh, Platinum Dunesification. That yeah. was Michael Bay, yeah. Uh, produced by him. I think the director, that was the guy who went on to do Battle of Los Angeles. Oh, really? Um, not a terribly talented guy. And it may be the same guy that did the most modern Ninja Turtles movies. Or the oh, okay. first one, at least. He's he's like a subordinate of Michael Bay. He's an appendage to him that does products that look similar, like have a similar look and feel. There's a reason he works for his production company, well, but it's a, not Michael Bay who made those movies. I don't know. There's definitely... A, Michael Bay must have been on set one day because you remember the, the iconic butthole shot of uh, Megan Fox from Transformers? I think the second one. Uh, Jessica Biel's ass is in the trailer of that Texas Chainsaw. What, what, do, you, what do you mean you think the second one? You, know, you, you, you know it's I the couldn't second. remember if it was the first or the second <laughs> you, you one. You know exactly. It's the bike. She's on the motorcycle. You know exactly what you're talking about, Kyle. I just can't. I can't because the two are interchangeable to me. Like, they are the exact same No, it's the mind. motorcycle shot yes. from the second one. I thought it was from the first one. I can't <laughs> no, remember. It's from the second but yeah, the, the, it's literally we just see Jessica Biel's ass like uh, in the yeah. trailer shot. Like I think uh, Michael Bay was on set that day. I'm kind of curious actually if like maybe she has a hand in that herself. Well, I mean, because she marketable. has enough. She has enough roles in her filmography where it shows that butt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She did the, Chuck, Chuck, and Chuck and Larry. That was in the trailer. And even Blade Three has a little bit of. Does it? Not, I could, not really, but she's making playlists, Kyle. Oh, I've seen. <laughs> I've seen an accumulative five minutes of that movie. Uh, I saw that movie in Canada as part of one of the coolest lineups of of TV film. Like, 
So I just was flipping channels when I was in Vancouver. And it was just this block of, of me. I was like, this channel, this this entire country gets me. Gotcha. It was Terror of Mechagodzilla. Oh. Followed by Saving Private Ryan. Wow. And then Blade when it was time to go to, Blade 3 when it was time to go Ooh, to bed. Oh, you almost so, had me. So I, I was started watching it, and I think I got to the part where uh, Ryan Reynolds beats up Triple H, and I was like, nope, can't do it. Nope. <laughs> nope. I would say I was going to give it a chance, and then he breaks the fourth wall. I'm like, no, 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 we're not breaking the fourth wall in a Blade no, movie. Blade Trinity is... Terrible. I've heard it's awful. No, it's it's awful. Yeah, no fault of Wesley Snipes either. Apparently. And Prison Break as Dracula. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there were quite uh, Dominic Purcell. I know his name, but his name is Prison Break. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I think the the movie that helped like bring the atmospheric uh, haunted house genre uh, in was The Others uh, from 2001, which I haven't seen personally. Is that but Nicole Kidman. It is. Yeah, I've seen it. Which I've heard is very good. I've seen it. Some of these movies parodied quite a bit like a scary movie to where it's like, I I don't know if I can even go back and watch it now because I'm just going to think of the scary movie movies. Mm. Um, but we have like Saul's a big one, Exorcism of Emily Rose from 2005, which was not bad. That was, I've, I've actually really wanted to see that. I've had it entirely spoiled for me. But, oh. but to me, you know, execution counts for a lot. And I've heard it's very good, but I don't think it made waves. It had its moments. I wouldn't, it's not worth me revisiting, I don't think, but it had moments where I'm like, ooh, that's pretty good. But on the whole, I think there's better. There's a lot of there's a lot of horror movies, especially from that era, that probably mean a lot to you and I because we're you know we make it a point to kind of read up on this shit and pay attention. But to your average moviegoer, I don't know that they made a big impact. Mm -hmm. Like Pontypool, for instance, that's basically a, a radio drama horror movie that a, a lot of my friends in college were, were really into it. Um, but your average viewer probably doesn't even know about it. Yeah. But it was a very unique thing. It just kind of came and went. And then there was like that haunting in Connecticut or something. It has a really uh, cool poster. I've seen that. But I don't, I, you're the only person I know that's seen it. I remember it being fine. Like it was... Cool oh, poster. Cool poster. And it, <laughs> that happens in the movie too. Uh, cool. It's fine. Is it's, that Jesse Eisenberg or is that just some kid who looks like I him? I think it's a kid who looks okay, like him. Damn. Um, <laughs> but I, I was getting to a couple of other movies. Um, the Strangers came out in 2008. Have you seen The Strangers? I have. It's very good. Exactly. Uh, so th I feel like that's the pulse that horror movies now have kind of taken. Um, well, where there's, there's one that you're omitting. That what, what is it? Uh, paranormal Activity. Oh, so that that was a, another subset that I was going to mention real okay. quick. Well, um, carry on. Sorry. So yeah, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but um, found footage films really started kicking in the late 2000s. And we had Wreck, uh, Lake Mungo, which I haven't seen, which is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, Mr. Jones is uh, comes out a few years later. I want to see that. Uh, Cloverfield and Paranormal Activity. Um, I've seen Cloverfield and Paranormal, Ac Paranormal Activity. I liked both of them quite a bit when I first seen it. Which, first which ending did you get for Paranormal? Uh, where she kills Mika and uh, then bites the camera stupidly. Oh, she goes all demon face in yeah. the camera? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I got a different ending. I know there's multiple. Um, I watched a, I acquired a, a copy of the film through non-traditional means, and uh, the ending that was on that, I think, had the police showing up and shooting her. Um, if I remember right, she, she does kill her husband, but then she, like, stands in front of the bed. And then you see like the time code on the camera, yeah. just like go for hours, and then like 
cop show up or something shooter i would allow that that's fine that's a fine idea it, and it it was scary like it, it was doing something different at the time which was fun and it was scary when i first watched it but it's it's very not rewatchable have you seen any of the sequels the second one's not bad uh, i did see the second one it has a pretty good ending i thought um but the last one I was going to mention, uh, House of the Devil by Ty West. Uh, I've mentioned this to you. Many times. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy the other movie of his that I watched. I was <laughs> really disappointed in that. Um, but yeah, that's also right around this time, the atmospheric like haunted house kind of deal. Yeah, um, as opposed to like bouncing off the walls, crazy, gore-violent kind yeah. of horror movie. More of a subdued... like. Single location, creepy house. And I think of all the movies I've named off this list, I think that The Strangers is the best. I mean, I mentioned I didn't mention Martyrs, but I haven't seen that, and that's the French... Uh, that was part of their, their thing. Yeah, their yeah, thing. They but had I, their own thing. But I think The Strangers is the best film off of that, and it has more of the pulse of what horror movies have now. Um, there's one on your list that you didn't mention on the air. That I'm curious why it's there. Um, the Descent? The Descent, yes. Yeah. Have you seen that? I have. I saw it in the theater. I think it's fantastic. I actually yeah. watched it not no, too long ago. I would ago. actually put that above The Strangers. Okay. I, um, I can see your argument I mean, that. I saw it in the theater, mm-hmm. and I was young enough. Like, I wasn't I wasn't a grown-ass man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you see it with a bunch of your shithead friends, and it was effective. It was like, effective. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it didn't even have the super downer ending, like in the theater anyway. Oh, I like the super downer ending. Of course you do. <laughs> no, it needs to be said, folks. Uh, Kyle has a thing about downer endings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like one of your biggest stipulations. Like It's like a required element for a good horror movie, right? It is. Uh, for me, yeah, I need uh, a no hope um, ending to a horror movie. Uh, it just works for me. I like it. I think it's it keeps it... It it keeps it silly still. Like, it still keeps it heavy. You I don't... Get you, I get you watching some more Japanese horror. <laughs> <laughs> they do that real good. <laughs> so I've heard. Um, so, yeah, so I picked Insidious because I've been telling Trevor for years now that he needs to watch it. Um, strictly because I think he would really enjoy the soundtrack. And this is the movie that got me back into watching horror movies. Because my brother and I watched, like, the garbage like Ghost Ship, House of Wax, Thirteen Ghosts, Ooh, like the new the metal, new metal, yeah. the new metal horror <laughs> genre, and a lot of these movies that I mentioned. Hey, House on Haunted Hill was good. That was that fun. was a little early. That was that was ninety nine, ninety eight yeah, or ninety nine. I like that. That was fun. Yeah. I think it gets swept under the rug too often because of the haunting. Okay. Yeah. Because it, you oh. know it came out close enough. I've seen that movie a lot, but yeah. As if I. Yeah. No, I've seen the haunting a lot. A lot of times. But House on Haunted Hill was genuinely kind of cool. Yeah, like, I like it. But a lot of these movies that I mentioned, I hadn't seen until after I'd watched Insidious, and it got me like back in this because I was in the Navy for quite a few of these uh, releases, so it just wasn't really easy to get to. But this was one I remember watching and being like, "Holy shit, this one's got me." <laughs> um, I don't really want to go front to back on this one because there's just a lot. It's it, it holds up, I think, but it's kind of hard to revisit once you've seen more up to date horror movies, and it's kind of slow. But I think it does a lot of things really well. So I wanted to get uh, just at the top of the uh, at the top of the episode here. What what was your overall reaction to the film? I had stipulations. What were the stipulations for watching this? By the way. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a very important detail to share with the folks at home. Uh, so Kyle required me to turn off all the lights in my apartment mm-hmm. and uh, watch this film wearing headphones. Yes. Uh, so I put in my little Bluetooth earbuds, which are. Very high quality. Nice. And uh, have, they kind of like 
isolate your your soundscape mm-hmm. so it was like the perfect way to watch this movie and i really have to thank you for that because holy shit it made a big difference i think uh because the sound editing and the sound design in this movie is excellent yeah um top to bottom uh not just the music the sound like of the house like every time a fucking door opens in this movie it it has character to it every time some actually i, I didn't take notes watching this this is what, I'm on kind of a streak now. It's working, yes. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if you folks can tell, but like lately I've been going off book. Like I haven't <laughs> been taking notes. U- usually I take like 15 pages of notes. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but lately I've been taking none, so I'm relying completely on memory. <laughs> um, but I actually had a moment where if I had my notepad handy, I was going to write fucking hardwood floors. <laughs> because when that fucking sailor kid stomp through the house i was like god damn it now i know why my dad was yelling at me all those years because that shit is loud and obnoxious the sailor kid i have a couple of things once we get to him about the you, sailor you kid. mentioned the sailor kid to me i can't remember the context but like as soon as the tiny tim music came on i was like that's what he was talking about it's creepy um oh, that's my train of thought uh but yeah, uh, uh, I want to give a shout out to my brother because he's the one that actually gave me the idea for it. He wanted me to play Dead Space, and he's like, "You need a." Vo-. He's like, "I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go over here and lay down, but you put the headphones on and you play Dead Space. It's a lot of fun." And I'm like sitting there playing. And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" And like making noises. And he's like, "Shh, you gotta be quiet." But I'm like, "That's how you need to watch this because Trevor lives in an apartment and you don't have a good like. You could probably get a good sound system going over here, but." It's not going to be how loud you need it to be like a theater. And the closest thing that you're going to get is the good headphones. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it made a big difference. Um, I, was, I was really happy with my experience with the film. Um, I don't know if I'd call it an amazing film by no. any means, but it's, it's a fun ride for sure. I think stylistically I prefer The Conjuring to this film because uh, I just rewatched. I, for some reason, thought that I kept The Conjuring on the list before I realized, oh, shit, we can't have two James Wan films on here. See, it's funny. you. I'm really glad you took it off the list because if memory serves, I think I may have seen it. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it was one of the very few horror movies I was allowed to watch with my ex. I, I think that if you were to take the... St- I think that the camera work in The Conjuring is awesome, and mm. I think it'd be worth revisiting for that. I think if you took the style of The Conjuring and mixed it with the sound editing of this film, it would be the perfect It would be the perfect horror movie because I think The Conjuring it just kind of edges out Insidious a bit, but it also had a bigger budget. It came out a few years later. Um, this had a... Real quick, the budget for this movie was uh, roughly uh, $1.5 million. And... I would argue that it kind of looks it, kind yeah. of feels it, but at the same time, nothing about the acting performances would have you believe that. That's something I wanted to mention too. Was the uh, the actors? Uh, we we have two actors in here who are, I would say, comedic actresses. Uh, Rose Byrne, uh, very funny. I don't know if you've seen her in any funny stuff. And Lynn Shay, if you've seen Bob Shay's sister, <laughs> if, you've se- if you've seen a Fairly Brothers movie, Farley Brothers movie, you know who this lady yeah, is. Yeah, if you've seen a, if basically if you've seen enough New Line movies, you've seen her at some point. Yes, you've yeah. seen her. Uh, but I think she's actually good in this movie. Oh, I thought she was great. Yeah, like uh, she, she lights up the screen when she first shows up. I hate the kids in this movie, especially at the end. Yeah. Um, I, I, Kids, man. Yeah, what are you gonna Kids do? Kids are rough. There's good kid actors. I think that the all the actresses in The Conjuring, I think they all do a really good job. The little the little girls yeah, in there. If I'm if I'm remembering the movie right, it it did look like it had a substantially higher budget, 
and yeah, the acting performances. Maybe James Wan has a gift for pulling that out of people. Yeah. Because I mean, the writing in this movie is a little clunky from time to time. It's yeah. very exposition heavy, but some the acting performances. Most of the people show up to play. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Wilson in three of my not favorite horror movies, but three horror movies that I you know I, I recommend are The Conjuring, Insidious, and Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Uh, Bone Tomahawk <laughs> is not directed by James Wan. No, 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 no. no. But I've, I forget the name of that director, but he's he's reached I will watch anything he makes status. That, is that Dragged Across Concrete? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've <coughs> heard it's a slow burn, and it's... It's, it, it's painfully long, too. Yes. It's like... Two, two and a half. It's, it's two like forty. Two forty. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, it's too long. Uh, the producers actually asked him to scale it back. He's like, Nah, bro, nah. It's like, you know, this is still a good movie, but come on, man. Yeah. Like, I see plenty of spots where we could trim some stuff here and there. It it is good though. It is very good. So uh, just I think that like I said, I don't want to go through this this thing all the way through. I can give you the gist. So um, real quick, at the top, um, a demon. Uh, just spoiler alert, by the way, uh, a demon that tried to attach itself to uh, Patrick Wilson as a child has come back and has tried to attach itself to uh, one of his kids. And at one point, Patrick Wilson has to go into the spirit world the further, the further to get his son back. Um, that's pretty much the premise. It's we. I think. Uh, what is it? Um, Paranormal Activity did this, where we. Uh, House of the Devil is an atmospheric horror film, and it is not demons or ghosts. It's mm. different. Uh, Paranormal Activity introduced something different, where we have a demon, which can attach itself and travel, unlike a ghost, which just haunts a certain step, like a certain uh, piece of property. Yeah, yeah. And we're kind of going off this now. Paranormal Activity came out way before this movie, a few years before this movie. Um, so. What's a little scarier is having a demon because you can't run away from it. You have to confront it. Yeah, um, it's funny actually. I'm I'm kind of curious. When I when I watched it last night, I'm not sure if the demon was following Patrick Wilson. I think it was just the old lady. Yes. So it is the old lady, but it is a demon that has attached itself because well, that yeah, that's I mean, where it gets the, a little hazy. The boy Dalton is. He seems like he's a bug zapper for evil spirits. Mm-hmm. And the demon just happens to be the, he's the biggest dog in the yard, basically. Yeah. But the old lady in particular, I think, was the one that was latched on to Patrick Wilson. Yes. Who, by the way, I, I'm sorry, it's like required every time Patrick Wilson comes up, I need to just say that I like Patrick Wilson. Same with Mark Ruffalo. Anytime Mark Ruffalo comes up, I'm like, I just like Mark Ruffalo. I mean, I would be, at, I, I could imagine myself at like a dinner party or something, and somebody mentions like Patrick Wilson. Oh, like, great guy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Do you know him? Nope. Nope. He's a good guy. He's a good, good guy, He's though. He's a good guy. I like him. <laughs> just, sorry to interrupt. Just had to share. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, the the opening the opening scene, I... Opening I, shot, dude. Opening shot. We, we, gotta, yeah. we gotta talk opening shot. Opening shot. Because they, they made an impression right from the first shot of this movie. It starts off really well. Yeah. It, it lets you know exactly what, like, oh, this is, we're breaking the rules. We're not giving you a reveal later. Like, we're letting you know up front what's going to happen. No, it's it's a lovely opening shot that I'm sure James Wan being, you know, an up-and-coming director at the time. It's like, you know, we got to we gotta make it. We got to make this shit count. We got to stand out. Yeah. And this movie did stand out, by the way. This made close to $100 million yeah. uh, worldwide. No, I believe it. It was a big fucking deal. Big deal. But, yeah, the opening shot of this movie is, like, it's a close-up of like a 
a light bulb, like mm-hmm. a giant housing for a, a light, and it's it's like upside down, and James Wan's name is displayed horizontally across the screen, and then the camera starts to rotate, and it flips pretty much upside down, and then we get a shot of a little boy in his bedroom. It's a really creepy fucking bedroom. Yeah. And then the camera just kind of pans over, and we get this shot of this horrible-looking ghost thingy. Yeah. Uh, and it's shot from, like, below, and so you can only see the, the really nasty details of its face, but you can tell it's humanoid and kind of skeletal, <clears throat> ghostly pale. And then, bam! Title. With, with, <laughs> it's it's that, great. That's I what I, wa- I was like when I was watching. Like, oh, I want to know how how did it hit you when you got to that? Where you're like, okay, now I know what he's talking about. <laughs> did that? Did you have that moment when the when the, the that insidious comes up? And no, the, I was very pleased with that. I was like, yep, we're gonna, we're in for this kind this, of movie. <laughs> I'm gonna say that's a, I'm gonna say that 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 face thing that's an ode to Exorcist because you do get to see uh, the devil or whatever is possessing her. Uh, pretty early in the film, it's just a quick, it's just yeah, a few quick flashes. The, the frames, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the I read on the IMDb that it, uh, they used thirty six violins to get to do the score for this. I believe it. And they're like, you do all different things. <laughs> like, well, it, I mean, that, literally, I think that was the intention. Yeah, it's like it's dissonant. It's just like noise. And this is cacophony of strings. I, the uh, the composer, I keep forgetting to write down his name. I wrote it down for the conjuring, my conjuring notes. Um, I'm sure you've got it. Up. Joseph Bashara. And he's done a few, uh, a couple of movies with James Wan. He did the Conjuring. I think he did um, a couple, maybe the second Insidious movie. I would hope. But I <laughs> yeah, can't. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, as I say, I can't quite and remember. Annabelle. Annabelle. Some of the VHS stuff. Oh, he did do VHS. Interesting. And he worked on Aquaman. Ah. But he didn't do. It's Aquaman. not. His, I don't feel like that's his no, style. No, he, he did a. There's a. There's that scene, you know, with the trench creepy thingies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Obviously, <laughs> like James Wan was like, I know a guy. <laughs> he's actually he's actually Ray Park in this. He's the Darth Maul. He's the playing the Darth Maul character, the the demon. Is he? Yeah, he's actually the guy. That's really cool. Isn't that neat? On the and the writer of the film is uh, Specs. Oh, the other writer for this film. Um, or for Saw. Uh, Lee Wanell is the yeah. name of the guy I'm talking Lee Wa- about. Lee Wanell? Lee yeah, Wanell? I don't know yeah. how to pronounce it. I think he's an Aussie. An Aussie, or, uh, a, or a Kiwi, maybe? Uh, one of those. But um, uh, unreleased episode that was never actually recorded, so therefore it's not unreleased. Uh, upgrade. Oh. He directed that. I gotcha. think that was his directorial debut. Yeah, that was something. And he worked on Saw, obviously. So the two, he and James Wan are buddies. Yeah. Um, what I liked about this, uh, we'll kind of talk about the plot a little bit. So the family move into a new house, and we don't really know why we're moving into a new house, but um, moving into a new house, we got three boy or three kids. I don't know what the littlest one is. It might be a boy. It's a baby. Uh, I think it's a girl, but all it does is cry. It, yeah, it, it's really not a character in the film. <laughs> it's uh, annoying in the first 20 minutes, for sure. But we move into a house, and typical for your atmospheric horror, your haunted house movies, uh, we start things in the evening. But not necessarily in this film. We do a little bit in the evening, but we already start hinting in the daytime that something's off at this house. Yeah, I, I actually really love this approach because it gave us it gave us a lot of breathing room. Mm-hmm. Like it actually let us get to know Rose Byrne's character and Patrick Wilson's character and to a lesser extent the children. Like mm-hmm. it you get to see them as people and actually like I was like, I kinda like these people. Yeah. I mean, later on, we get to see that they have layers to them. We get to see that Patrick Wilson's not the best husband sometimes. As he tends to kind of 
that's Dude. actually one of his gifts as yeah. an actor is he can do that really well. Yeah. Where he can be he could be the handsome, friendly guy who's also the biggest dick in the world. He's like, and yeah. then and then he doesn't have a problem with that. <laughs> He's like, you can't tell by this Michelob Ultra that I'm uh, holding here that I've got bodies hidden. No, he really is good at it. Yeah. Um, there's an episode of that HBO show Girls. Oh, he pops up on there? One episode. Oh, that's good and, enough. And he's basically like a one-day fling for one of the main characters. You can see that. I know exactly which one, probably. I'm Who sure. The eyebrows. Uh, it's the Lena Dunham lady. Oh, the main, the main yeah, one. Yeah, um, basically they hook up and uh, they have this lovely day together. It's like super like rom commy kind of stuff. Wow. And he like he's a very well to do Manhattanite or something. And then like he gets bored of her or whatever, and he's just kind of like, "Are you gonna leave?" <laughs> <laughs> and damn. But like the lead up to it is kind of perfect because the whole time he's having a good time. Like you can tell that he's genuinely enjoying himself, but it's just like time limit. It's like. Sorry, <laughs> I want to watch that show, but I feel bad because it's uh, it's a show written by wi- uh, women, starring women, that skyrocketed Adam Driver's career. <laughs> I'm actually, it's funny. I'm actually really into that show. I just don't have the means to watch it. HBO, your prime. I, you just gotta add. You gotta add prime. You gotta add HBO on there. Then you can get the Game of Thrones. Well, see, the first two seasons were free. Oh, really? And I did watch them, and I did enjoy them. And I feel that the I feel that the writing is solid and kind of like holds the mirror up to our generation in yeah. a way that's deeply depressing, but yeah. at the same time honest and in such a way that I actually do want to finish it. I've never I've n- I haven't heard a single bad thing about girls. Both of them, I have two friends that uh, two male friends that have watched it all the way through and they love it. They say it was a fantastic show. Yeah, that that was the first time I saw Adam Driver and I. He stood out for sure. Oh, I'm gonna go ahead and apologize to the listeners. I'm doing fine right now, but I haven't slept at all last night. I was finishing up uh, Mad Men. I finished the series um, in the late morning today, uh, <laughs> so I, I worked through that last night. Uh, had other issues keeping me up, but that's neither here nor there. So if I spot out just a little bit, it's because I'm like, okay, what am I talking about now? <laughs> if you hear a, a snapping, it's me trying to resuscitate Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, it, this is a little unconventional that we're bringing up spooky stuff in the daytime. Uh, the little fucking kid goes in the attic. You and I both know you never go yeah. into the fucking attic. Yeah, I mean, the, the first manifestation of anything remotely paranormal is some books falling down. Yeah. Off screen. Yeah. So, like, Rose Byrne sets up some books. She walks back in the room, and they're on the floor. Uh, it's not enough to get you, like, uh, it's not enough to get you going, but the kid goes up in the attic, and this is where I've got one of my goosebumps, because they, I, what I like about this is the off timing of jump scares. I would say, I, I don't like it when people are like, oh, it's just got cheap jump scares. I'm like, well, jump scares are still effective if they're done right, so it's not fair to call these cheap jump scares. I think that these are unconventional jump scares, because they don't happen when you're expecting them. Which I think is... I think that plays into the editing and the soundtrack. Yes, very much. Honestly. Um, I think it's that's actually a tactic, is the way you can make music unsettling is by making it uh, unconventional. Because like, music has laws to it. It has rules to it. It's math. Yeah. If you break those laws, your brain is telling you, your ears are telling you, this is wrong somehow, and it's making me uncomfortable. One of the most powerful ones is this one where he's up in the attic where they hear him fall, and Roseburn actually like looks up at the attic 
and we it takes a couple of seconds for it to actually like boom like come crash that the the violins come in i'm like oh shit yeah and i'm like i'm back in it like it, it i haven't seen this movie in years but i've seen it a few times i'm like damn they got me right back and i was actually shocked that it got me yeah the attic was really interesting because i noticed the detail here that um i'm not sure if you noticed it but um when rose burns up there before dalton before the young boy yes uh like a furnace turns on yeah and she doesn't notice it or she doesn't pay it any mind it's one of my problems like if she was kevin McAllister, she would be freaking the fuck out she would be freaking out <laughs> shut up <laughs> uh oh dude i was over <laughs> home alone story we were over at a buddy's house watching the games this weekend and uh we didn't know that somebody ordered pizzas so i'm just like standing by the front door watching the game and this guy just comes up with three pizzas and I'm like, he's like, I got an order for this dude's name that I've never heard of. And I'm like, uh, they're like, oh, they call for him. And they're like, who's paying for it? I'm like, 12 pieces, 12 pieces tw- cost 12 bucks. Like, and we all just did that whole, like, everybody was just dropping quotes from home. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Did anybody uh, ask where their cheese pizza was? Steph, she's like, uh, cause he's like, is there a, what kind of pizza you got over there? Cheese? <laughs> she's like, do you got cheese over there? And, uh, one of the guys was like, yeah, but somebody's got to barf it all up cause it's gone. <laughs> Did she assault him? We, we, we had a, just a, a good like forty-five seconds to a minute of just just going back and forth. Uh, we just, that's, that's lovely. It, it happened really well. But the uh, one of the problems I have in here is these are some of the worst horror movie parents I've ever seen, especially Rose Byrne, because she's given a lot of opportunities to get the fuck out of that place. Yeah, I mean she she does actually push to get out of there like kind of early it's it's patrick wilson who's kind of resistant to it i think like they do a good job of establishing that her her reaction to moving into the house is to be kind of unsettled like she's uneasy like from the first minute we see her she's Mm -hmm. an attentive mother like one of the first scenes we get to see her in is like in her pjs adorable by the way oh yeah i love rose byrne yeah no she's adorable she's a lot skinnier than that thought yeah well she remember her from troy she was actually like she was thicker like she was like full-blown i think she had to slim down quite a bit Mm, for this one mm, whether her choice or somebody else's but i don't know first class she was looking kind of thin too and and apocalypse even but anyway uh, neither here nor there. yeah she looks good in pajamas yeah she looks great (laughs) but yeah she busts out like the family album and like the little boy dalton who would later go on to be in iron man 3 yeah in that movie that you don't like no Uh, i kind of disagree yeah i like shane black i don't like that movie well he's had a couple of misses now. Yeah, he's, he's not firing on all fours. Yeah, you know? he's, he's, he's you, you gotta get on the rebound. You yeah. gotta gotta find Val Kilmer. He, get him out of retirement. He get pull Val Kilmer out out of whatever the fuck he's doing and get him back into him. Yeah, he had some health scare or something recently. Fix hopefully, it. Ho- hopefully, it's been fixed for Top Gun Two. Bring him back. Yeah, bring him back. Um, but yeah, her early reaction is that of like the exasperated mother, like. That's what we're doing the first 20 or 30 minutes of the movie, really, is just showing them moving in, showing that Patrick Wilson isn't there all the time, so she's kind of left to her own devices to care for these three boys and, like, presumably a girl or whatever, Um, and they haven't even unpacked. They just moved in. And so, like, when when the paranormal stuff starts happening, like, her reaction is to be just, like, overwhelmed. Like, she's... Even her speech pattern and, and her look, like, she... This is that ex- she just looks exhausted. Yeah, exasperated. Just beat down. Yeah. Well, we learn a little bit later, and like I said, 
this is gonna be spoiler alerts all all around, obviously. But um, apparently, uh, I actually have the line. I didn't realize this. Um, it was happening at the the thing from the other house. So why they left the other house apparently is because this showed up already. Uh, oh. It's a it's a quick little line that they I mentioned. didn't notice. It. Yeah. So I think that's why we have her like kind of stressed out because they left because they were getting a little spooked over there, which m- would lead me to believe that she would be even more frightened when these things start happening because this isn't like like beds are moving, door slams, window slams, stuff like that. She sees a, a little per like a little kid jump out of a closet. Like that's after some of the things that she already should be leaving the house for. Yeah, no, and. I, I do feel that they do a good enough job with writing her characters so that her reaction is to be like, I'm not going to be the horror movie stereotype, you know, white suburban family that, no, we're going to hold our ground yeah. in the face of this haunting. It's like, no, her reaction is, I want out. <laughs> well, and, and Pat- you know, to Patrick Wilson's credit, he actually complies at some point. He does at one point, and it's kind of funny how he gets to it. Uh, but he he's actually like, it's not happening. It's in her head. Like he's not like, it's happening, and we're going to stand up to it. He's like, it's not actually happening. Well, he, I really like his character. I mean, I like Patrick. Wilson. I like Patrick Wilson. <laughs> I like Patrick Wilson. <laughs> we're we're pro Patrick Wilson. Yeah, I like Patrick Wilson, and I like the way his character is handled in this because there's that moment and like. The big the big thing that happens in this movie is that after some haunting shit happens, Dalton goes into a coma. Yeah. For three months. Yeah. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. And we get the hospital scene where mom and dad are just like, I don't know what's going on. Doctor doesn't know what's going on. But presumably, like based on the way we come back from the, the title card that says three months later, it's my understanding that Dalton was living in the hospital yeah. for, for three months and the first scene we get is a nurse instructing Roseburn on how to care for him in bed at home. So I'm guessing he just came home. Um, doesn't mean she's not stressed the fuck out. Yeah. Um, but in some of the scenes that follow after that, um, I really like that Patrick Wilson, um, as soon as things get explicitly paranormal, like no joke, like we, there's no argument anymore. His reaction is to not come home. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Cause like I, I could totally see somebody doing that. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, gender roles be damned. Like, sometimes, you know, that's how people, especially our generation, yeah, deals just, with shit. Just don't. It's just like, avoid if, I, it. if, I, if I don't confront it, maybe it won't happen. And she confronts him about that. She's like, you always run from confrontation. He even snaps at her at that point. He's like, I don't, f- I just deal with my, my own fuck. He drops a fuck in there, too. That, that's one of the only fucks in the whole movie. Yeah. And, Coming from coming from that sweet face, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, don't swear. <laughs> I think he plays this character best in Hard Candy. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't. Ooh, it is it is a it is a it's a ride. Ellen Page and it's it's almost like a bottle episode where it's just them in this house. Uh, it's I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. I'm just saying it's worth your time. It's great Patrick Wilson and great Ellen Page. I would watch that. Probably her best movie in my opinion. She does a really good job in there. Hmm. Um, I wanted to mention, I, without, I was saying, like, the jump scares aren't cheap here. These are good, like, this is a good way to do jump scares. And I'm thinking of, a, like, an example of one that I watched that I was really disappointed in and I had heard was pretty good, was The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh. I, with, uh, uh, what got me to watch it was Emil Hirsch, uh, the human, what did I, what I want to call him, the, uh, human Wii avatar. Uh, he's got a, he's five foot seven with a giant head. 
He's uh, a strange fellow. Yeah. He takes some weird roles. I know. Uh, he, he actually can be a very good actor. I haven't seen that many of his movies, but just the range of mm-hmm. things he's done, like Speed Racer, the the Sean Penn movie where he dies in the van. Oh, I don't it's know. like Into the Wild, I think is what. Oh it's yeah. Um, uh, Milk. He was. He was he, in Milk. He really tried hard in Milk. Interesting. He's I like he's like one of Milk Harvey Milk's like or I forget the guy's first name. Yeah, but, Harvey Milk. Um, he's like one of his strongest advocates. He's he's a very young activist who's like really fighting for the cause. Gotcha. I think we were talking about doing our favorite bad movies. And he's in Lone Survivor Ooh. as one of those guys. <laughs> I, we've mentioned doing our favorite bad movies, and I know what one of mine would be, but I figured out what my second one is finally, and it's Alpha Dog with Emil Hirsch. Mm. So I don't know if you've seen that I one. Have. Oof, it is hot garbage. But uh, that's not. I have the power. I have the money. Is it? No. Okay. That's a different movie. Um, that's the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. I can't remember what that what I that's called. Though. Cannot suffer him. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I don't know why he captured America's heart for because the, he's whimsical. I and can't. He, he hit it. He hit it big when the ukulele was the instrument of choice for the entire country. True. He was riding off the success of people thinking that Inception was an awesome movie. He, uh, if you put him in a trailer for a movie that has that fucking what imagine dragon song if you put him in a trailer that has that song of him like running in the rain yeah that's it's perfectly appropriate oh you're gonna sell that movie yeah no people Uh, are gonna go see that but uh autopsy jane jane doe has uh brian cox as well i'm like well this is an interesting pair i'm like i'll definitely watch this but it's the most it's the most predictable horror movie fuck (laughs) i know you wanted to do it I wanted to ask, is that... Is That's the, the fuck. The legendary fuck? I sent Trevor this, and I've you might have posted it on... I don't know if you've posted this I on... I haven't on. posted it, but I will. If you, because I, I've actually... I've been posting that Brian Cox running gif oh, all over great. the place for no fucking reason. He has some of the most... He has some of the best little just little clips from his movies, but his fuck in that elevator is just... Mwah, it's great. <laughs> it's like the snappiest, juiciest... Fuck! Fuck! It's just so it's just good. Old man confounded by technology. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's an example of a movie that's like the whole time I'm like, that's gonna, they're gonna jump. Like the whole time I know exactly when it's well, gonna happen. You you brought this up earlier about uh, timing of like jump scares and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like movie aside, just in general, like the horror genre, like when it comes to structuring of scares, like I. I really like when they, when they do things like that. Like my favorite, actually, is funny enough uh, from a visual standpoint, as opposed to audio. Um, framing. If you leave a certain amount of empty space in a like a dark portion of the frame, your your brain is telling some something something's gonna happen there. That's good misdirection too. It is, and when nothing happens, sometimes that's better. Yes. Because your brain is telling you like, fuck, it's time to tighten up the sphincter. Yeah. <laughs> but then nothing happens. You're like, okay, it's time. To- oh my god! <laughs> See, I've actually seen some more recent, uh, even more contemporary horror films that have been doing that. They pull you, like, they'll just show you a shot, and you're like, I, am I looking for something? I don't know what I'm looking for. And they keep showing you those. To the point where you stop paying attention. Yep. So when you do see it, I think Hereditary might be the, the example I'm thinking of. Could be. Because when you do see it, you're like, oh fuck! Like it, it grips you. See, one one trick. I don't. It's not a trick, but it's a it's a technique. Yeah. I can't think of an example, but maybe it's something that I should try for myself. <laughs> um, the idea of putting something scary plainly in the frame, 
and like locking down the camera no fancy movements no no editing at all just like putting something unsettling in the room and just forcing the viewer to be with it for an unreasonable amount of time to me that's like when i'm in bed trying to sleep yeah. that's the image that scares me actually is is the notion of like being paralyzed in bed and just having some thing there in the room that's like i can't i can't look away from it i can't do anything about it i but think I, there's like a uh david lynch did it actually uh, oh, in a couple him? of movies um I, the the one example i can think of is twin peaks um there's a scene where, I know exactly where a woman comes out yes. from behind a couch yes. and comes way too close to the camera and she's screaming at you the whole time. There's strobe lights going and it's deeply unsettling. I think Hereditary does a good job of it. That first little bit you get where uh, Tony Collette turns off a light and she can see a silhouette of her mom mm. in the shadow and she's just standing there. Mm. And it, it holds for a bit. It's like, it builds on you. And... I, I know what you mean more like a little bit longer on that or something even more direct than that it's it's not anything that we get in in insidious but it's just a thought that I, I was having when we were talking just it's it's not something you see very often but something I'd like to see because to me that's that's like some of the scariest images that come to my mind I agree is is not like treat it like an actual perspective shot I think you're going to enjoy the Babadook. Uh, I it's on my list of things I'd very much like to see. Oh, it's, it's next week. <laughs> and uh, the uh, director of that recently had a film, their second film. Yes, out. the it's a name of a bird. Oh my goodness, I've got it saved. Ah, so it is the Nightingale, I believe. Ah, yeah, that's right. The Nightingale. Yeah. I encourage you to go see it, but you know it sounds like you got enough on your plate at the moment. <laughs> I'm super busy right now. Uh, <laughs> going to the theater is not not at the top right now. I'd like to get out to the theater. I missed Midsummer was going to be the one I saw in the theater and missed it, so I don't know what the next one's going to be. I'm going to try to catch. When you do see Midsummer, are you going to see the yes. extended version? I'm going to see the extended version, okay. obviously. Uh, I might as well just buy it. I I, I feel like I'm going to end up. Just it's been it. a while since you blind bought something, huh? Uh, yeah, the, my most recent blind bought, I bought The Devils, 1971. Oh, with, you did? Uh, yeah. I, found, I got to find a Region 2 DVD player. I got to figure that out. Because uh, I tried it with my Blu-ray player and it won't work. So I got to find something. But it has, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Oliver Reed. Sorry, Oliver oh, Reed. Oh, yeah, that's a very different Oliver. Oliver Reed. <laughs> Oliver Reed. Uh, <laughs> Oliver Reed in Vietnam? <laughs> uh, so it's be very unsettling. Uh, but this the sequence with the uh, the alarms going off, I thought... Oh, yeah. That was a good one. This was really good. Yeah. Uh, we do several things here. Well, the one thing that got me back into it, too, is the uh, the baby the baby voice. Like, that would have been, like, immediately, like, we have to leave this place. That's where the headphones came in handy. Because uh, the the baby monitor thing that Kyle's talking about. So Rose Byrne, when she's at the house alone, uh, I think just the, her and the baby upstairs. Uh, she is a wannabe songwriter, as you know many people are. <laughs> um, but yeah, she has a baby monitor and a metronome. Put a pin in that. Yeah, um, that comes back. The metronome and the grandfather clock are on the soundtrack for this movie constantly, mm-hmm. and it's very effective at building tension. Um, but the baby monitor, uh, we get a, we get introduced to it earlier in the film where she responds to the baby crying and, you know, it's business as usual. But this time it's like just chattering. Like it sounds like a creepy old man. Um, and then it does the, the, the thing that I was telling you about, uh, 
before we went on the air about a volume mm -hmm. where one way of getting like a false rise or a scare out of your audience in a horror movie especially in the theater is by cranking the volume up unexpectedly mm -hmm. it's not fair but it's very effective because it gets your it it warms your blood yep. it pushes you back in your seat it and primes it, you it, yeah it simulates fear yeah um, but that's what happens here is like it, it's just a whole bunch a whole mess of chattering voices and then she's like looking up the stairwell and uh, then it says like I want it or something I want it like, yeah, I want, I want, I want, I want it. And it screams like, I want it. And yeah. it's like, it, it goes Joker on her. Yeah, really quick. <laughs> Heath Ledger owes Christopher Nolan a little bit. Because <laughs> in the editing department, they helped him a little bit. Yeah. With the, with, yeah, with yeah. the audio levels. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, that, that that definitely made my, my blood rise a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's daytime, too, when that's happening. Yeah. But this is where we kind of switch gears. Now, we're primed right now as the movie watcher for sounds. We, the, the director's told me, listen, I'm going to scare you with sounds. You're primed for that. So when we get to the evening, it, we switch things up a little bit. Where I think, one, I think they're in bed, and uh, we hear a knock down on the, at the door, and uh, it pulls Patrick Wilson away. And the, the knocks are really good. Like, these are stressful knocks. Like, there's a, like a... Yeah. Like that's like even that's kind of like well who the fuck is here I don't know anybody's that's coming. A turn the music down, not. Yeah, and then you get <laughs> the, the boom, boom, boom like that. Even in any time I hear it in a movie, I'm like oh shit, who's that? Like that's not good. That's not a good knock. Um, but that's kind of a misdirection. Like they, it pulls Patrick Wilson away, and Rose Byrne goes into the to the baby's room, and it takes a minute. And I was even expecting it, and I could barely see it going back. But there's a silhouette of a man's face in the window and I don't know if you noticed it right away. I, I did and it was very effective. Yeah. Um, there's some CGI smudge that happens there. Yeah. There's, there's a few effect shots in this movie that are less than successful but the pacing of that scene is what makes it work. Yeah. Because we get to see Patrick Wilson do the do the dad yeah, yeah the husband slash dad thing of stay here who's down there yeah. who, who do you want <laughs> that's actually really funny they don't do a whole lot of that in this movie I'm, I'm really conditioned to expect people like white people especially to do a lot of who goes there we're gonna beat your ass bitch yeah like a lot of posturing a lot of verbalization yeah. they, they actually don't do that in this and I kind of welcome it because to me that's what I would do I wouldn't say nothing no you you need to know how far you're willing to go in a, in a confrontation like this and the best thing to do is to stay calm and try to understand what's happening before you start well, yeah, getting no, angry I mean, you, you, you arm yourself or whatever but you don't come out yelling at people <laughs> no. like, it's like seriously it could be someone in a car crash in front of your yard <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah he goes down there and we get we get him inspecting the door. He checks the lock. Nothing there. And he goes all the way back up the stairs, and the alarm goes off again. He comes down, and the door is wide open. And the chain is and like the chain is dangling. Like, fuck, like, dude! Somebody was inside the house. And that was that was like a oh fuck kind of moment. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, you didn't hear the door open, but it is wide open, and that chain is broke. And then we get the alarm going off. <laughs> he shuts off the alarm. He's going through the house again. We get that jump scare with the alarm again, so it's like, damn, like when are we? For the when you're first time watching, I'm sure you're just like, when is this gonna end? Like this has got to stop. Yeah, and, no, that, that was how I felt. And the camera is very voyeuristic here. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hanging back, just kind of observing things. In fact, 
I think it was actually like a logistical problem um, in terms of navigating a camera through space because mm. I noticed in the the baby's room the camera's always kind of like halfway out. Yeah, it's like kind of like struggling to fit in the room. It might be missed. <laughs> it might be a little bit of misdirection, but yeah, it might also be just like trying it's to a little weird. It out. But that that shot of the the face in the curtain because mm. there's like a it looks like a bug net hang, yeah. hanging over the crib of the baby it was very effective because the camera doesn't it lingers on it for a good solid second. But not long enough that it's like you see all the details, and then Rose Byrne flips the fuck out and like runs the Obviously, baby out. Obviously, yeah. Like she she doesn't stick around to find out. Like at this point, as <laughs> as horror movie parents, like I'm leaving this house. Whatever is happening, we need to get away from it. We they don't know that it's attached to their family. We just need to get the fuck out of this house. And they go to sleep in this place, which is insane. They uh, go to sleep there presumably many times actually. Yeah. Um, and I think this is about the point where Patrick Wilson starts making a habit out of not being there in the evening. Uh, he yeah, this is their sleepy parents' day. This is where they're kind of like he's kind of she's like dozing off and not motivated to play the piano. He's just kind of yawning at work. He's a he's a professor. It looks like or a teacher. I think he's just a teacher. Gotcha. Like, like a high school teacher or something. But he calls her from his desk at school, and obviously lies it's a terrible fucking lie yeah i actually kind of like that because it like if you were to listen to that message like you wouldn't have to have women's intuition to know that a <laughs> wife's intuition like, like i know what he's up to. he is lying to me <laughs> because it's a terrible lie but basically he says oh they need me to stay late and grade papers and then no, you don't you can grade papers at home yeah you can grade papers at home. i know teachers grade papers at home well, and, you know, she calls him on his bullshit in that scene Obviously, that you mentioned yeah. earlier where it's like, you know, you've been doing this job for how long and this is the first time this has ever happened ever. and now it's been happening consistently for a week. I want to give uh, Rose Byrne top five uh, greatest American accents for an out-of-towner. Uh, she's an Australian accent if you haven't, if you don't know anything about her. No, I, I fan- knew that. She has a fantastic English, or like just American accent. She I don't does catch it, it. She does it really well, but she does speak very slowly. She, I was gonna mint that when, when she should be panicking and kind of like <laughs> she can't. That's what I was getting to is this next part where she's actually kind of confronting about this. She's, I, I found it very irritating because I think you're right. She's slowing down, but I found it effective for her character because I've been in these, mm. you've been in these exchanges with somebody where they're like scolding you, but it's going really slow. You want when someone's getting angry at you, you want to be able to get angry back. But if they're doing it really slow yeah, and like yeah. very matter of fact, like you haven't been around lately, you like I can't get mad at that. I have to deal with it, and that's <laughs> kind of what she does here. But yeah, I was gonna mention she's it's it's a it's an interesting way to scold him here. Well, it didn't jump out to me there so much as later in the movie, like when she's trying to pull him back from the further. Like she's yeah. supposed to be like panicking and pleading with him, and it's like get some hustle on you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, there, but, but it is like just purely from the way it sounds. Yeah, it's very convincing. She's very. I wouldn't. I didn't know for the longest time that she was. No, I, I had a friend who thought she was really hot, and I was like, "By the way," and she, he was like, "Really?" You know, <laughs> the funniest, the funniest British accent for me is Christian Bale. I remember watching the. I don't know, maybe if he was doing like a little bit of like a, a little bit of an accent on the Prestige, but I remember watching the Prestige. My like, Christian Bale's English accent is so over the top, and then I found out later. I'm like, he's British. I'm like. Huh. Yeah. Really? Um, he, I remember, uh, really threw people for a loop 
because um, when he was doing the press tour for Batman Begins, he was Bruce Wayne. Yeah, like he, he was, was in character. He yeah. was speaking in his Bruce Wayne voice, and like for a lot of people in this country, that was like their introduction to Christian Bale. And it's like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he he uh, he. I don't know. He he has a weird affectation no matter what voice he's doing. Right? I think it's because he never shuts his fucking mouth. Maybe that's what it he's is. He's got he's got that uh he's got the thing where his mouth's just always kind of like hanging hang open. It's like, man. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he was doing a little bit. He's got bit. the Naomi Watts disease where it's just like shut your mouth, lady. Just close it. Just shut it. I just feel maybe, breath stinks. <laughs> maybe he was just adding a little bit of uh, tea leaves on top of that British accent and the prestige, like just. Sorry, sorry. He was probably just exaggerating. It a I, th- lot. I, I, I hope so. Um, rain of fire. <laughs> oh gosh. Dragon. <laughs> I don't remember anything from that movie except him, Matthew McConaughey, flipping a switch on him. I remember that being pretty awesome. Uh, uh, I don't think it's a horrible movie. It has a cool look to it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get give it that. I hear where you're coming from. Um, let's see here. So we get what I thought was going to be a dream, but Roseburn kind of wakes up out of a dream, and this is where we get one of my other goosebumps moments, where she wakes up. And she's just sitting in bed, and she notices somebody pacing outside the on the balcony. And this was a really good one for me because you were—I'm sure you weren't expecting this. Uh, no, because <laughs> yeah, the guy's pacing, like kind of in and out of frame outside, and then he f- comes into frame inside the house out of fucking nowhere, and then like lunges at her. Like it's pretty good. It's a good scare, but the timing on the editing bothered. Gotcha. Um, not only because that that guy is the least frightening presence in this entire movie. I completely agree. Uh, we don't need him. You could have used something else, like some other type of character, because he's just like the. Cr- I just keep thinking the crow. That's all I keep thinking. Yeah, he, he looks like, but you know, by way of Sting, because he's kind of yeah. beefy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you put, if you're like Billy Crow up, you're gonna play Sting in this. Uh, film adaptation of Sting's life. That's, <laughs> I don't know why Billy Crudup pops in there, but... But, well, he's kind of skinny. I mean, Billy yeah. Crudup? Well, the guy the guy in the movie is what I'm saying. Like, oh. he's not a very... Like, he's kind of big, but he's not that big. He just... If Billy uh, Billy Crudup, like, we need you to gain, like, 20 pounds of muscle. Like, all right. It's like, for, for this, like, 10-second roll? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like the scare. I like the structure of it a lot. What I didn't like is is everything else he does in this movie. He gets too physical with the yeah. characters. Yeah. To the point that it gets really silly. And, I mean, there's so many other better characters, other ghost figures in this movie that are handled so much better and with so much more subtlety. But him, like, he rushes up to her and, like, tries to lick her face. We get some really bad CGI makeup. Not makeup. It's CG- we get some CGI, yes. CGI makeup yeah. on his face. We and do. it's like, man, we're lingering on this too much. Like, we got a million dollars and a lot of days to shoot. Let's let's just fucking skip this part. This made me think of one of, I don't know if I mentioned one of my horror movie rules was, uh, what makes a horror movie good for me is how, how much I want to turn it off at a certain point. Uh, this one didn't have it. The Conjuring 2 definitely had it. Uh, the fucking visit, the M. Night Shyamalan uh, documentary footage, scary thing. Holy shit, I wanted to leave the theater. Yeah, you were really up on that. I, st- I want to go back and revisit it. I think it'd be worth watching, uh, even for you. I think it'd be a fun I one. haven't seen it, so if you want to get into it at some point, I'd watch it. But I'm a stickler for uh, lore rules. And what I mean is... As am I. 
<laughs> which <laughs> is why I don't like ghost movies, to be honest, because they break fucking rules you all the time. You have to follow the rules if you're going to do it. Yeah. And the, that's what I was saying at the top here was demons are that loophole mm. is because it can attach itself to a person, not a structure. Yeah. And this is where that's coming into play is this guy's breaking the physical the physical barrier. A lot of people that work in horror love horror generally and horror is like one of those genres that's continually innovating the sheer number of horror products that come out from year to year is staggering Mm -hmm. so it's an ever-evolving genre and when you have people who who love this genre live in it work in it uh subverting expectations often becomes kind of a game where it's like we don't have to have scary movie parody movies to tell us that it's like, man, why don't white people move? Yeah. Like, we don't we don't need that because, you know, if you've seen a horror movie... You then, know the tropes. Yeah, you know the trope. So I think this was kind of them winking at the audience and saying, it's like, we, we know what you're thinking. Like, like we, we know that it's silly that they... It would be silly for them not to move, so let's have them move, but then let's structure the story in such a way that they still can't get away from it. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a fun gag because we do get that like five minutes of peace where it's like, oh, it seems like things are okay. And then it's like, oh, oh they've escalated. Oh, it hasn't. <laughs> um, but now I think she, the, the she's kind of like, they're going to move out. Like she's like, I, we have to move. Yeah, she's cowering in the corner and she says, I need to leave. We have to go. We have to leave. And he, you know, Patrick Wilson's at that point where it's like, he, he's probably still resistant to it, but it's like, yeah, this is too much. So I think, like, stylistically, this movie's... I, I think it's inferior to The Conjuring. I think that it has a better style, but also had a bigger budget. But the problem this movie has, I would say, it does get some silliness. And one of the silly things that happens is when we introduce Josh's mom. Uh, she talks about... Uh, she mentions the photos. Like, oh, I'm surprised you can get Josh to sit still for a photo. Yeah, they, they do a good job of setting it up where... Um, they do a good job of setting it up. Where, where, yeah, they do a good job of setting it up where the, like one of the first scenes we get with Rose Byrne and, and the little boy, Dalton, is them flipping through the picture book and her and him asking, like, oh, do you have any pictures of Dad when he was young? And she's yeah. like, no. No. Funny you should mention that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she mentions, like, it's hard. It's, I can't believe you got Josh to sit still for a photo and stuff. But uh, we get the record player scene after this. We, we put a pin in the photos, but... This was a lot of fun. Uh, little person plays the the boy that pops up. Uh, I only see, I've only seen him in Tosh Point oh, actually. <laughs> of all things, I recognized him. I looked on IMDb. I'm like, oh, he was in the episode of Tosh Point oh. I'm sure he's in he's in other stuff. I'm sure I just didn't look at his uh, filmography. Uh, but this is probably the most talked about scene sequence from the film. I'm sure if anybody's if you haven't seen this, uh, the kid dancing in the uh, in the window in the daytime is probably. Besides the Darth Maul face, I would say. The Darth Maul face was really upsetting to me um, because it's such a good shot. It's it is such a, a good really edit, good but shot. it's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. That's it's the like, problem. Why would you? I know you need to sell the movie, but at the same time, it's like. Uh, you didn't. For me personally, it's like I would have loved to have been surprised by that. It would have been fun. I think it. But just based on the lighting and the construction of the room, I knew when it was going to happen. But that's the difference between, uh, like, the. That's the difference between us making the trailer and somebody else because that shot is probably what got all those. No, that's what sold the movie. That's what sold the movie was that shot. Yeah. But I remember at the time, like, I know it's coming. But it still gets it still got me when I was it's watching. It's really fucking good. It's such a good shot. Like in in theory and in execution, yeah. it's like yes, 
on paper, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. And the way they shot it, yes, that is indeed terrifying. Perfect. <laughs> no, it's great. I loved it. Um, but yeah, the record player scene, she puts on a record, she's walking around the house, uh, she goes outside, she doesn't notice that the record changes, but there's a shot that I never noticed until watching it this time. Uh, Boy facing the wall. You saw it? God I damn saw it. it. I God saw it. damn yeah. it. It looks, like, it looks like somebody threw some clothes in the corner. Yeah, but it, no, he. I saw his hat and I was like, that looks out of time. I can't, like, That I, doesn't look period appropriate. Well, the, col- <laughs> the color palette they have, they've got a bit of a filter, it seems like. Oh, the, everything's really blown out. Yeah. It's for, like crazy halogen lamps. Like, it needs to be said, the lamps that this family owns... Or yeah, holy fuck! The the, the light bulbs, yeah. <laughs> insane. Like they need to have a shot where Patrick Wilson is like turning off the light, going, "Ow!" Yeah, because <laughs> seriously, really these hot. these lights burn hot, <laughs> very hot. The shooting at the lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are the what are the They're actual... shooting at the lights? We're shooting at the lights. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we get the the little the weird moment with the kid. This is where it was just. For me, I don't like this sequence. I like the kid dancing. I thought it was a creepy way for it to move, and the song is creepy. But her chasing him through the house is just—it didn't—it doesn't work for me. Um, I didn't mind her chasing him down the hallway because that hallway—I mean, this—this this, this is a scary sequence. Like it's spooky. This this, this set, like this this house, this set is very well designed. The geography of it is very distinct. Um, actually, that might actually be a credit to James Wan. Um, because uh, the structuring of both Furious 7 and Aquaman, the, the action choreography, mm-hmm. scene geography. You know where people are in relation to each other. You know the space that they're inhabiting. You know the rules and the physics of the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually something really important to structuring scenes. Um, and I get really nitpicky about it sometimes when like the editing is confusing or like, the angles are confusing in such a way where it's like where, I have no spatial awareness. It's like where is he in relation to her? Like Alien is, Three. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like the the tunnel scenes yeah. in Alien Three towards the end. It's like I don't know where any of these fuckers are or what they're doing. Yeah, and it's really annoying. Uh, but this in this one though, it's like I know this house. Like I know where the doors are in relation to each other. I know how long that hallway is. I know there's a grandfather clock at the end of the hallway. I liked her following the boy because we know the geography. Yeah. And that actually that scene is kind of what teaches us that, which is part of why it's important that that scene is paced the way it is, because it gets it teaches us where everything is in relation to each other. It's like, oh, that's Dalton's room. Oh, that's the laundry room. Oh, the laundry room connects to the kitchen. Um, what I didn't like is when they're in Dalton's room and the boy jumps out of the yeah. dresser. That was sloppy. We're face to face. That little boy or, or that young stuntman or yeah. whatever. I'm sorry. You didn't pull off that jump. Like, no. that was not quick enough. That was not graceful. <laughs> that was not scary. That was just stupid looking. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem I have with it. Is like, maybe if he jumped out quicker or something like that. Like, it... Or if they if they had more money to make him up better, to mm-hmm. make him just... Creepier. Creepier. Because yeah. I didn't notice any makeup on him. He just kind of looked like a boy. Yeah. Like, he just looked like a little boy. Yeah. In fact, from the end of the film, like, he, I don't think he is anything scary. He's just a little boy that has a soundtrack that has Tiny Tim on, on demand. Yeah, it makes it, like, once you get to the ending of the film, it seems a little bit creepier, like, looking back at it, like, knowing what that is, what's actually happening, is that these things are coming through. Yeah. But at the time, it's just like, we're face-to-face with it now. How the fuck could you not pull your kids out that minute and drive away? 
I mean, because you don't know this is attached to you again. Also, Tiny Tim. I know. I'm so, I mean, I'm I'm old enough. Or that, Oliver, like, Oliver Twist, maybe. No, it's like Tiny Tim is is one of those things. It's like I'm I'm old enough that SpongeBob isn't really my guy. Yeah. But having a wonderful time, Tiny Tim. Like I'm sorry, but every time I hear that fucking voice, that very distinctive voice, I think of fucking SpongeBob. <laughs> that is not scary, especially when they no. reuse that song later in the movie in a scene which should be the most like the big the big climactic like big scare. It's like no, this is it's silly. Yeah, it's, it's silly. downright silly. There there are a lot of silly elements to this movie, which again, same guy who gave us Furious Seven and Aquaman. He yeah. I'm guessing has a silly streak. Uh he captures the mood much better in the second one, which I think is what makes it yeah, better. How many sequels are we up to? Like, I watched the third four, four so, altogether. Three altogether, from what I understand, because I've seen all three now. Um, I put off watching the third one because it didn't have pretty much the people that I wanted in it, and I ended up watching like uh, just like a few different uh, ghost movies. Um, I for I've watched the. I watched one that was just, like, awful. The Nun. I watched The Nun. Oh. Awful. Isn't that, like, a spinoff or something? Okay, so there, <laughs> there's a universe here. There's James Wan was actually building something. So the Dead Silence puppet is actually in The Conjuring. Um, Conjuring, Annabelle, uh, Insidious, uh, all these movies that he's doing. Actually, the Saw doll is, I think, in he's, The Conjuring as well. He's also, well, the drawing mm-hmm. in this one. Yeah. Uh, and Patrick Wilson's scene at school. Uh, there's a drawing of yes. Jigsaw yes. on the wall. It's kind of so, it's cool. <laughs> it's it's all kind of connected loosely. I think Annabelle is the one that's most closely connected um, with this movie. The Conjuring yeah. and Insidious yeah. are kind of connected somewhat. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, there are four Insidious movies. Shit. So I saw the third one, and it's surprisingly not bad. It's not very good, but it's much much better than I was expecting. See, I give. I mean, you've mentioned this on a previous episode. I I watch a lot of direct-to-video shit sequels. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm I'm willing to to give the time of day to a lot of shitty movies because they have attachments to. Pro- I'm that guy. Yeah. It's like if it's if it has an attachment to a property that I actually am in, invested in, you know, I'll pay it some mind. And I watched I think all the Saw movies except for the Jigsaw one, the most recent one. I think I saw the first five. Four, first four. That's pretty fucking deep. Yeah. Like, most people wouldn't do that. No. But, you know, when it comes to horror sequels, I think it's a lot easier to to give them a pass. Yeah. Because I agree. there's an expectation, actually, that you'll kind of, like, we're not looking for you to completely innovate and, like, turn the franchise upside down. It's like, no, if I'm coming to see a Friday the 13th movie, I know what I'm getting, and if you don't give it to me, I'm actually going to be kind of pissed. Yeah. Like, even if that, that other something is good. So, like, for Insidious sequels, I could totally see them being, like, worth my time. The Conjuring 2 is awful. I, I do not enjoy that movie really? at all. I was very disappointed in it. Uh, Insidious 2, I think, is the better film. It ca- it keeps the tone the whole time, and it does a much better job building the end. I wanted to turn it off because uh, I was getting pretty worked up. I'm like, oh, fuck this. I can't handle this right now. Now I want to watch that. It, I, I think you should, just on, on your own. I think you should watch it. Same setup, though. I think you're going to have to go headphones, lights okay, out. Okay, I think okay. it... it because that, that's what I one of the reasons I picked this because like this is an experience. This is something that you should see in the theater because in the theater you'd be on the edge of your seat the whole fucking time. Like this is well, a tense I one. I mean, 
I didn't have a crowd with me, but in terms of audiovisual experience, I got pretty close to theater. Like gotcha. the, the sound quality yeah. directly into my brain was fucking crystal clear. It was great. Making horror movies fun again. <laughs> I, I might have to do that again. Actually, it's first. It's a first for me. So this is this is why I, I like the horror genres because sometimes if I'm just feeling squirrel, I'm like I'm gonna watch something spooky. I'm gonna I'm just gonna do that. <laughs> and sometimes I bite off more than I can chew. I remember texting Steph. I'm like I shouldn't have watched that scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> no sleep tonight. I don't remember which one I watched recently, but I'm like shit. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> might have been The Conjuring. Um, so yeah, we get um, the record player scene. We got the daytime spookies going. Um, ghost motherfucker. We got the dude <laughs> jumping. Um, yeah, so- Ma- Mom also tipped us off that like maybe her son has some history with the paranormal. Yeah. So this is where we see the priest. He comes in, and this is where Patrick Wilson's like, "It's not happening. We're not. We're not dealing He's with this." Utterly now. dismissive yeah. of the priest. And we met- this is where she mentions the thing from the other house, and then uh, Josh, uh, Josh's mom talks about the dream that she has about. Uh, going into the room, and uh, Dalton is the kid, I think, and she goes in, and there's this creature standing next to Dalton's bed and pointing at him. He's like, what do you want? I want him. Um, This is where we get the the iconic trailer shot. uh, Would help make this uh, movie up almost $100 million. Yeah. Um, Uh, If you're not familiar with the shot, basically it's, it's from the mom's perspective. Mm-hmm. And is she looking at Rose Byrne? She's looking de- like she's kind of looking back and forth, and then while she's like closing closing it out, she's looking down at the table, and she can hear it. It's so faint; it's just the right amount where she's just like caught off guard, and she looks over at Patrick Wilson, and it's she looks at Patrick Wilson and sitting behind him, like unnervingly close, like just half of a face is look is staring straight at her from behind her son. <laughs> And yeah, Darth Maul face. Darth Maul. Yeah. Um, they the Dalton refers to him as the man with fire on his face. Lip, uh, he's referred to as lipstick face uh, right. uh, in the credits, or not the credits, but IMDb several it's times. Not exactly a franchise maker. Um, no, it's not Freddy Krueger. That's not Jason Voorhees. That's not Mike Myers. That's not Pinhead. Lipstick man, fuck. Well, <laughs> the nun is what they go with, more yeah. or less. Um, well, for the Conjuring is what they go with. Well, is it? I'm guessing it's an entirely different antagonist for the sequel. I can't tell you. Aww. I can't tell you. You need to watch the second one for me to for it all to make sense. Yeah, I don't want you to spoil it because it does sound worth the, my time. These two very much are intertwined. Like this is very direct sequel, okay. and it's very it's very much worth your time. Okay. Um, but we now we get the comic relief coming in, and these guys are even more so in the second one, from what I can remember. Uh, tone I've, shift. Yes, tone <laughs> shift is here. Specs and Tucker. These guys are. These guys are, I think, better in the second one than they are in this one. But yeah, uh, these guys are. Have you ever seen a House Hunters uh, show? It's these guys, yeah. like the the Ghost Hunter guys. Ghost Hunters. And they come in and basically are there. And they're like, we're coming here to inspect the place to see if. Um, oh, Patrick Wilson. This is where he's just like, we're not having. I'm not going to do it. And she explains. Uh, oh, no. She after she gets the demon. Sorry, I'm getting my my timeline mixed up here. They come in to see if. Uh, we, say, we Miller, take time. Miller, Miller time. Um, they come in to see if anything's wrong. The one guy sees some stuff and he's like, no, it's real. Call call Elise. No, I'm, I'm fine for now. Um, yeah, call Elise, bring her in. And Elise is played by... Uh, Lynn Shay. Lynn Shay. Can I remember her name? Bob Shay's sister. Bob, Bob Shay being the head of New Line Cinema. I did not know that was his sister. I, I believe they're related. Interesting. Um, I, She's in the original Friday, the uh, original Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Yes. The, the, you, you need a hall pass. <laughs> she's that lady. Yeah, I think she's his sister. I can believe that. Yeah. Um, ah, she's great. Yeah. Um, I can. It's kind of funny, actually. Like, even though she doesn't have a good ending in this movie, I think she's like the franchise hero. She is. Uh, she's. I think she's in the second one. I can't remember. That's got to be kind of unique for for a horror franchise to have a like a central figure be an elderly woman. Yeah. That's um, kind of cool, yeah. especially since it's her. And, like, most of my memories of her from childhood are from, like, Kingpin. Oh, my shit. God, Kingpin. <laughs> uh, my my personal favorite of hers is Kingpin's up there, but I loved her in There's Something About Mary. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. she's so funny. No, she's one. she's great. I, I, I was really happy to see her in this. And, um, I mean, I, I told you about that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, documentary mm-hmm. I, I own. It's, like, six hours long. Yeah goes into detail on every movie in the franchise including the tv the failed tv show and stuff um but there's some great interviews with bob shea in there and she's she pops up in a couple instances too and just i don't know she just seems like a really cool lady yeah i mean have you seen the outtakes of her in kingpin doing the uh oh my gosh i mean she was she does Oh, she was repulsive in that movie we'll pull i'll pull up the outtakes don't let me forget to the breathing the wheezing. I'm just Oof. gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and pull it up on my YouTube so I don't forget. So when I open up my phone because <laughs> it's so good. Um, Kingpin outtakes. All right. So got that. So yeah, they come in. They decide that this house is in need of an exorcism. Um, so she. Yeah, the Tucker fella has a vision. Um, he has. It was a view a yeah, viewmaster. I, I couldn't think of what the, that toy was called. I think it's called a viewmaster. Yeah. I, I had them when I was a kid. I had like Mickey Mouse ones and stuff. I was always jealous of people who had one. I never had one. Yeah, me and my brother had those. And we also had this really cool gadget that I've never seen it anywhere else before. But it's basically like an 8mm film cartridge. You put it into this little motorized doohickey that's like the size of your palm. And you put one eyeball up to it. Yep, and I, it, it plays like a 20 second movie. I've seen one of those before. And it's 8mm footage, so it's actually like crystal clear, but you view it through a pinhole. Interesting. And it's really cool. That's pretty <laughs> We had like the opening of a Mickey Mouse cartoon where he goes into like a haunted house. I think I would put like a, a, a scene from like No Country for Old Men on there or something. Call <laughs> 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 it. That or he's like, you know how fucking crazy you are? You mean the nature of this conversation? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the Tucker fellow, the guy with the husky guy with the just for men beard. Yeah. Um, he has a viewmaster that Specs, the smaller fellow with the glasses, who's also the writer of the film. Uh, they have like a back and forth going throughout the entire movie where they're constantly jabbing at each other. Jabbering, yeah. Well, yeah, they're like t- taking the piss out of each other. Yeah. Or, like they're like tr- arguing who's the more useful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he has this viewmaster thing that he's like, oh, it lets you see different like spectrums of. Uh, light and yeah blah, 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 blah. my own inventions yeah my own invention yeah. and like in the other room you hear Spec say like oh it's made out of a children's toy <laughs> <laughs> and he just and you see Tucker shoot Rose Byrne this look like please don't listen to him <laughs> like we're serious professionals I swear <laughs> yeah. but uh, but yeah he has a vision of of what it's the two girls it's the the two doll ladies that uh, they're standing at the end of the hallway and they shoot him a creepy smile. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I felt about those, I, those ghosts. I don't like what I don't like the use of CG here because we go from not smiling to the, just a cut to smiling. I think there's a way to just 
not moving. This is kind of what you were talking about, where there's like it's not moving. It's just standing in your presence, and you can't do anything about it. That would be more effective here, where he looks real quick, and they're just standing there, not moving. Maybe smiling or not smiling, but not going from... Because they give us like a little, like, somebody banging on a piano real quick when they do it. So it's... Or maybe even something... Something even more ballsy, where instead of smiling, they're just closer. Like, when he changes lenses or they're something. They're, like, right there. Like, right the fuck That would be good, face. too. But, yeah, I don't like I don't like that how he did it here. But They do it one more time in the movie. And I just don't know how I felt about that family of ghosts in particular. I was like, uh, we spend a lot of time with them. Actually, a lot more so than, than a lot of the other ones. And I just didn't quite get anything out of them. I think because I I read that this was originally going to be a film like a franchise and there was a plan to have more movies from the beginning. So if you're thinking of this film as a standalone, you're right. We don't need this. If you think about this setting up, the second movie executes this idea much better. Well, I mean the the quote that I keep throwing out there, it's of my own invention. Um, <laughs> every character is somebody's favorite. Yeah. So if we're throwing ghosts out there, it's like. There's going to be, like, we can't be certain which one is going to, you know, latch on to audiences or which one the audience is going to latch on to. So it's to our benefit to just have more of them. So let's just keep throwing shit out there. And then after the reviews come out and we start to read the forums on, you know, the bloody disgusting forums and whatnot, maybe we'll get an idea of which ghost is resonating with the audiences. And then we can use that for the sequels. Pinhead's the best Cenobite. They didn't even need to have the other Cenobites. Well, he's the only one with lines. He's the only one with lines, but he's the only, he's an iconic creature design. Those movies are terrible, but, like, you know immediately. He's a, he's very, very creepy. Yeah, he's, Butterball is kind of like, he doesn't do anything. No. He, he just kind of stands there. He doesn't do anything. The, the gal is actually kind of striking. It's her voice and her, yeah, the way they put her together, but. I guess that actress was very unhappy. Like, really? I guess she she was very unhappy with her inclusion in that movie. Like I she see she that. didn't like the role, so I guess she, like she got swapped out for someone else later on. Wow. But her makeup is definitely yeah. striking. And the the chatterer guy is kind of cool. Yeah. But again, he doesn't talk. Yeah. He just kind of is a he's a design. He's not a character. Yeah. You didn't need any other Cenobites, in my opinion, but I get where you I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so she she's like, I'm gonna check this house out, or like she's like, here's what we're gonna do. This is what I think is happening. Uh, she goes and she like gets a, a drawing, a sketch of what's happening of the demon. This was really cool um, because like when yeah, I really like that scene. I mean, she acts the shit out of this role. She's really good in this movie, and she has the thankless role of having to deliver all the exposition, uh-huh. but she does it very capably. Um, what I liked about this scene is that when she first comes into the home, she is a bright ray of sunshine. She she's, is your gam gam. Yeah. <laughs> she's your gam gam, and she has brought you candy. Yeah. <laughs> she's very, yeah, she's very sweet. Yeah, she's very sweet. She's very polite. and I, A little socially awkward was what I got from when she first opened the door, but that's... Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, she she has a joke when she's like, oh, I, I didn't I, think anybody was going to be here. I was yeah, just like, again, awkward gam gam. <laughs> it's good for the character, I guess. Yeah, but she does a turn like immediately after like as soon as she gets to work she goes into dalton's room and she's staring up at the ceiling and what's really cool is we've already seen what she's seeing yeah from that like 
two frames or whatever of, of Darth Maul. Yeah. Of Lipstick Man. But they don't show it to us again. No. And this is this shows some For restraint that I really... Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the less you show the thing, the better. But yeah. what I liked about the restraint shown in this scene is that it's just her staring up at the ceiling and from her description that she's mumbling that because my headphones I could hear clear as day. Yeah. Um, you know that she's seeing what we saw earlier. And we don't need to see it again. But we keep cutting to like a shot of the shadows on the ceiling and there's nothing there. But from her acting, from her staring up the ceiling looking terrified, it's like, I, I think I know what she sees. Yeah. And she has this four specks by the arm and he's drawing for her. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like drawing up a fucking storm because yeah. she's going a mile a minute. But I really like that scene. That's good. I mean, yeah, I, it is effective. And I think they it's done really well in the conjuring especially there's a few scenes where like the little girl's just like do you not see it over there and you can't see anything they actually don't show anything in that scene but she's like like frozen in terror like you not see it like that's it's effective but that's what's more or less happening here yeah it's it's a it's jaws chemistry man yeah it's like sometimes the less you see of it the better i agree uh that's blair witch project you don't see anything a man (laughs) peeing on a wall peeing on a wall that's it. That is the whole movie. <laughs> but yeah, she she's doing the exposition dump, letting them know what's happening, which I'm totally fine with in a demon movie because it, it allows the it allows them to set up the rules of like lets them know what's happening, what what are we in for? Yeah, and I think that's fine when it comes and to supernatural. I've, this is introduced late enough in the movie too that a character like Rose Byrne is at the end of her rope. Yeah. So instead of like oh poppycock all that nonsense, like Patrick Wilson does that for sure. Yeah. But Rose Byrne has no fight in her. It's just like, whatever this lady says, I believe her. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Which is refreshing because, you know, it's like, it's late in the movie. We don't need to have this happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Wilson has himself a stern, just hands on the hips, just, well, I'm just not going for this. I, By golly, I think you guys should just go ahead and go because I think this is about all that I can just handle with all this nonsense. Like, <laughs> just, he is just about you, you, you kind of, you couldn't see it, folks, but uh, Kyle basically turned into Matt Foley, but, <laughs> like, with a good night's sleep or something. Uh, I yeah, have to have. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she tells him it's a demon. He's like, it's not a demon. And it, she's very respectful. She's just like, you know what? It's fine. I understand. I wish you the best of luck. And she's also probably just like, we're just going to, we're going to stand by because it's going to happen it's like, again. Don't, it's like, don't, don't turn the key just yet. <laughs> One of the most effective parts of that paranormal activity movie, um, watching it was they actually contact a guy who's an exorcist or like some kind of paranormal guy. And he comes in originally and has like a conversation. He was like, yes, I'd love to help you. I'd love to help out. And the one guy's kind of hesitant. And then it gets to the point where they're so desperate. They're like, we need you to come by. He walks into the house and he's just like, I can't be here. Uh, it's very angry. I, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't do anything. And it's like, fuck, dude. Like, shit has really hit the fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Patrick Wilson's not buying it. So he goes into his kid's room. He has a nice white guy cry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he see, he's... He's been playing, I guess he's been acting tough so far, like trying to keep his composure, which he does do a good job of barely holding on to his composure, I would say, because even when he's doing the doorbell, when he's in the, what is it, the beyond? When he's in the beyond and he's got the further, when he's out there with his kid, the kid's like, I'm scared, and he's like a breath away from saying, me too. Um, Actually, I I kind of 
put that line in there. I was ha- I was expecting that to come out of him. I was expecting what because he's doing such a good job in there, like kind of panicking. Um, but he has his little breakdown. Then he sees uh, his kid has drawn all these pictures that, for some reason, they haven't noticed. I know that was a little that was a little weird. That was a little weird. That was a little weird. Uh, the one boy actually does mention that uh, the, the other brother's like, I don't want to sleep here because I hate it when he gets up and um, sleepwalks. So. He might have been making these while he was sleepwalking. Um, we don't know. We're not told. Um, yeah, the timing is very convenient. It is very convenient, but that's enough to convince Patrick Wilson that, all right, bring her in. And I like this part in, in this movie, and uh, it happens in The Conjuring, and I think it happens in the second uh, Insidious as well. I like when they're setting up the stuff. I like them explaining the stuff. I don't See, know why. I mean, I've, I've mentioned this to you the past couple times you've been over here, Kyle, but adventure discovery yeah this is this is i think like something you need to look into these kinds of movies where it's like it's people doing stuff (laughs) like people figuring stuff out you know it's like there's a mystery it's got to be solved and we need to use tools (laughs) like we got a science we got detective work to do um not to grind things to a complete halt go for it poltergeist Uh, yeah have you seen it? Nope. It's been on my list for a long time. It's one that I want my girlfriend to watch with me. It's an 80s movie, and I don't think it'd be too terribly frightening no, for her. No, it's not. And uh, I keep pushing her. She's like, I don't want to watch it. So I mean, I'm Spielberg waiting to... put he fronted the bill. Like, he... he if, if Spielberg gives you his blessing, it, it's meant for mass consumption. I'm trying to wear her down. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. Well, I think you fucked up and cashed in your chips too early, because yeah. wasn't she in the room when you were re-watching this? No, she actually, I had to do this, I watched this this morning. Oh, okay. uh, I watched this, okay. but luckily my room's pretty dark, and so I had the lights off and my headphones in for the same experience. Don't come in! Yeah. <laughs> Don't come in! <laughs> uh, so she was already gone, but uh, I think seven is what kind of uh, got all my strikes. Yeah, you kind of screwed the pooch there. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> but, but anyway, Poltergeist. Uh, I think that's interesting, because this movie, I don't think would exist the way it exists without poltergeist in some ways okay. um, because there's there's like a formula to these kinds of stories like paranormal activity also because the flow of poltergeist is this where it's like you know we have a family suburban white family trying to figure shit out some stuff goes bad child gets abducted and then we call in the little lady that has, oh, yes, that has yes. the supernatural connections. But in between that, we also try to science it, too. We have like some paranormal investigators who, as far as I understand, if I'm remembering correctly, maybe aren't on the up and up. They may be kind of phony. From Poltergeist or yeah. from here? From oh, Poltergeist. I don't remember. I haven't seen Poltergeist. So. And the last resort, though, is to bring in the, the priest. Yeah. yeah. Bas- little, little, little lady right. with the supernatural powers. Yeah. Um, but before that, we try to do the scientific approach. We bring cameras and equipment and stuff. We try to Ghostbuster this shit. But here we're combining. Exactly. But the flow, the the arc. Is, yeah. It, I mean, you can't. Again, this this genre is cyclical. It it pays homage to itself. And I can't watch this movie without having Poltergeist in the back of my mind. They're very, very, very different movies. Poltergeist is a fucking blockbuster film with. You know, special effects up the ass, but yeah. this is a million dollar movie with nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Just good acting performances, decent writing, and some clever edits and lighting. So yeah, now they've decided to make uh, to make contact. Oh yeah, we're gonna have our seance kind of thingy. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna be doing a lantern lit seance, and she dons a black plague mask, which is uh, I remember watching. I'm like, that's really creepy. Uh, it didn't really have the same effect on me rewatching it this time. 
Um, one of my favorite scenes from True Detective is literally a guy uh, walking with a machete in his tidy whities with a gas mask, this this long gas mask like this, and it's one of the creepiest parts of the whole scene. It's literally just a, like a, a 10 second shot of him walking, and then it's the end of the episode. It's like holy fuck, that was nuts. <laughs> it did. It just didn't carry the same weight. Uh, rewatching this time, what did you think about the black plague mask in this? Well, I mean, it, it's just a gas mask with yeah. a hose attached to it. That's all. Um, feeding into something, and and then there's a bunch of we get a a taste of James Wan's uh, I think preferred editing style. I hate this editing here. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So when when uh, Specs and what's Tucker? Yeah, Spec, just, Specs just for men. Um, <laughs> yeah. When the two of them are like setting up all the equipment, of which they have a lot. Um, yeah. They have a series of flash bulbs that apparently are supposed to react to like changes in air density or something. Yeah, um, they set up lights all around the room. Um, there's a brief montage of them like gearing up, and it's like an action. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando putting on all the guns and like putting the knife in the. I was thinking, yeah, it it's totally like a gear up montage in the middle of our paranormal horror movie yeah it feels out of place for sure and it, it's very like i hate to use the term mtv style but it, yeah. it's it's a little snappier than you'd expect and it kind of catches you off guard because it's very out of place but again man has a silly streak that you know I, i'm fine with it's just in some cases it's kind of jarring yeah um but yeah at this point in the movie i think part of the reason why this scene is or at least the equipment aspect of it is less effective, is because we're not sure how to feel. It's because of that editing lead-in where we're not sure, like, I think she's on the up-and-up, but these guys, I don't have a clue if they're if they're legit. Like, maybe they're just a couple of shitheads or something. Well, this is actually explored... I think this is done better in The Conjuring, because uh, this almost identical thing happens. Uh... But it's actually based off of an actual couple. Like, it's based off of an actual story. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Um, they're con artists, though. The two people were, were con artists that were doing it. Um, but yeah, this was... I, I didn't care for the editing in this. She's communicating with the boy on the other side, trying to find out where he is. And yeah. she, And she's basically speaking into this gas mask thing. We, it's inaudible to us what, sh- what she's saying. But it's going into the nerd's ears, and he's just he's scribbling. What did you think about the 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 charcoal on the pa- on the I paper? I like that. You like that? I like the visual of it. I liked his hurried pace of, of writing everything that she's saying. But the actual sound of it. Oh yeah. So this is that was a good choice because uh, that particular type of charcoal or graphite has a texture to it. Yeah, I don't particularly care for. <laughs> Uh, so this was actually kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't like that oh, noise. I liked it because it conveys the sound of writing, even mm-hmm. if you're not seeing it. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, that's what writing sounds like. And I, th- it's funny. This whole sequence, um, uh, previous episode versus uh, Ryuhei Kitamura, um, he has this thing that he would get teased for sometimes in his movies, um, spinning, <laughs> like rotating the camera. Yeah, and it's like. Stop moving the camera. And this entire sequence basically has the camera rotating around all of our characters. So, like, mom and dad, Lin Shay, Specs, they're all seated at this little kitty table. Yeah. 
with like a, a black piece of fabric on it and a child's lantern in the yeah. middle. It looks really weird. And then Tucker's like pacing around them with a with a mini DV cam, and the camera's spinning around them the whole time. It's like, I get what you're doing. You are building tension. This is definitely effective, but it's like, st- stop, yeah. please. It, it's it reminded me of Saw. Uh, it was the Carrie Elwes sawing off his leg, where it's like shooting, it's like shooting back between the other guy and him, and it's it's just that fast pace. And a few times when we were introduced to the pig mask guy, and the like, it's those quick well, editing. Yeah, moments. yeah, the, yeah. yeah the str- it's kind of like a, a strobe. It's a strobey or stuttery effect. Yeah. Man, Carrie Elwes, I like him. I think he's the worst actor in that movie. He's he's. Might he, be the worst actor in most movies. He's he's utterly charming when he's allowed to be Carrie Elwes, but when he has to pull back that accent, when he has to wrangle that beast, yeah. um, he loses a little something. I liked him in that the the um the I think Shadow of the Vampire, where it's uh the reimagining of Nosferatu as being an actual. I, I need to see that. It I looks so, it, it looks so fun. I watched it not too long ago. I really enjoyed it. It was Good fun. Good Willem. Good Willem Dafoe. And uh, Malkovich is fun in there. Not as much fun as uh what's his face from Ed Wood playing Bella Lugosi. Oh Martin Landau. Oh, God, I love that performance. It's so <laughs> good. Love? Sidekick? <laughs> Fuck you! It's so good. I, I love him in that movie. Um, so yeah, so this I didn't. I don't care for this sequence. The kid, um, like, kind of comes. This this is where it goes stupid. This is me. where it gets real well, dumb real well, fast. We do a few jumps here. So this is a stupid thing. He kind of gets up. He lays the smack down on all the Rudy Poo candy asses. He's throwing people up against he the wall. He bitch slaps his dad. Yeah. It's stupid that uh, the the dude hasn't the dude comes in the fucking crow sting guy yeah uh, he makes an appearance yeah I mean he no no joke sting he basically yeah. shows up like oh my god now sting <laughs> sting with the bat oh my god <laughs> he brought the equalizer the bat <laughs> he comes in and lays a few punches but we we end up subduing the kid somehow it doesn't really yeah the, the jump scare starts things off where the kid. Appears just with his eyes closed, standing between them, and yeah, he has demonic strength. Stupid. There's strobe lights flashing all over the place, which are apparently like diegetic, I guess, (laughs) because we actually set up that device. But yeah, as soon as the dude showed up, the dude that walked into Rose Byrne's bedroom, yeah, and she like he makes a beeline for her, and then he wrestles with Patrick Wilson. Legit wrestles, yeah. Like they wrestle. He he ghost wrestles. And then uh, David... I was like, "This be this is dumb. <laughs> this is dumb. I'm sorry." David Arquette jumps up and's like, "Yeah, hit me, hit me now." He got the belt. <laughs> David Arquette got the world title. You've seen Ready to Rumble, I'm assuming. Long time ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. That good Oliver Platt had to be in your wheelhouse. Good Oliver Some of my Platt. favorite Oliver yeah, Platt. Good Oliver Platt. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we subdue the kid. Um, the nerds look back to the footage, and apparently the demon was uh, using the boy, which I think is funny because I'm just picturing uh, Robin Williams and Patch Adams talking with the skeleton, like Donner Party. <laughs> just doing that. <laughs> That's basically what he's doing with the kid. Um, so now we decide, now, now we figure out, um, we bring back Josh's mom. So now we, the kid's back in the coma, everything's hunky-dory, like, we've got a real problem here. So Josh's mom comes back, and this is the, I think, pretty stupid, is the photographs. So apparently, 
when Josh was a kid, uh, PW, uh, Patrick Wilson, he, when he was a kid, his mom... I like him. I like him. Uh, <laughs> she kept taking his picture, and then as he was getting older, this old woman kept appearing in the photos little by little to the point where her face is just like right behind his... Yeah. And then her hands like almost touching him, and like the it looks bad. The photographs look bad. Um, it's just kind of silly that this is like it's too deliberate in the photos. Like it's too much. Like if it had been a little more subtle here and there. Maybe. I mean, she is kind of clear as day. Mm. Like you know, I'm used to like paranormal paranormal photos having like that element of deniability about them, mm. where it's like, oh, it's it's fuzzy, or it's oh, it's kind of in the background, or oh, that could just be weird shadows or something. This is like no, that's that's an old lady. <laughs> like I, she's right there. This like, just reminded me. I completely forgot about a movie from this this um, early 2010s, uh, Sinister, which I think came out in about 2012. Fantastic, uh, really really good. Uh, it scared the shit out of me. Uh, I can't remember if I've seen it. I turned it off halfway through. I had to I had to stop watching it, and then I came back a few weeks later and started watching so it. Why again. Why am I not watching that? <laughs> I, I honestly, it's I've I've forgotten about it because it was just like a one and done for me. I'm like, well, I'm never watching that again. Um, it's a little upsetting. It's a different. It's a different kind of movie. I'll have to explain it off air. It's it might be one. I might add it in instead of uh, instead of the ritual. It might be. You one, might want to consider that. I might consider that because it because it's the pretty, way you're talking about it makes it sound like it's the better movie. It's pretty spooky, scary. It's it's a bit it was a bit much for me at the time. I was watching it by myself in a in a, in a dark house around <laughs> Halloween. So, um, so yeah, so. She's explaining that this this old lady's been there, and they've been they've basically made Patrick Wilson forget. Like she stopped taking his picture. They Charles Xavier'd him. They, yeah. They Jean Grayed him. Yeah. Like no joke. Like X Men. We erased his memory. <laughs> they put psychological block. They put yeah. like psychic blocks in his memory to keep him repressed his memory of this this ghostening. Yeah, so now the only way that they're going to get him back, well, we explain, this is where we kind of explain a bit. Astral walking. Yeah, the astral walking. So apparently there's people that can walk in their dreams between these two worlds, and some people walk too far. Josh apparently was one that was walking too far, but this son has walked crazy far, so far that he's actually been taken by this other side. Yeah. So now Patrick Wilson is the only one that can go into this um, spiritual world and try to find him, which I'm fine with. We're messing with Supernatural. It's kind of weird, but anyway... Um, I do, like, the scene before was stupid, but once we get into this world, I think it gets fun again. Like, it, it kind of goes back up. I like how he gets introduced, and I, I like her little, like, once he's in, she puts him in, like, a trance, and then he's like, this isn't working. And then he stands up, and he sees himself passed out, and she kind of turns her head a little bit, like, knowing that he's he's in. Yeah. And it's, it's I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah, uh, the further, uh, <laughs> by way of... Colored lighting and lots and lots of shadows. Um, and lots of lots of fog machines. Lots and lots of fog machines, especially when they go back to the old house. I am talking a lot of fog machines. Yeah, a lot of fog machines. There's some cool lighting tricks here that I'm not entirely sure how they did them. Mm. Um, In particular? I'll get to it. Okay. But, um, but yeah, the, the further like has kind of like a greenish-blue tinge to it. And I think it's a think it's a consequence of the budget nothing nothing looks out of the ordinary in it Mm -hmm. like everything is like geographically we're actually in the same houses that we've been in throughout the entire movie yeah so it's not like a dreamscape except for the red room uh, which we get to later yeah but 
Yeah, uh, basically it's explained to us that Patrick Wilson had the same ability. He passed it down to Dalton, and he's the only one that can do this. So now he's in the further. He steps out of the house. Um, and the lighting trick that I was talking about was uh, he has a lantern. Yeah. And he's walking in a black void. Yeah. And the light falls on nothing. Yeah. And it's a really cool effect. It is very cool. And I'm not entirely sure how they did that. Well, Stranger Things couldn't figure out how to do it because that comes up. Eleven is basically able to put herself in this kind of world, except it's just her in front of a blue screen or a green screen. What what do they call the other place in that one? The up the upside down. Ah, I, I've never seen it, but I I knew there was like a, another dimension or something. Those first two seasons are just charming, <laughs> just just fantastic. That's uh, what I've heard. Yeah, they're they're definitely worth your time. Third season, I you, I'm fine. I <laughs> I might not be in for the fourth season. Uh, but yeah, so he's in there. Uh, kind of mess around. So one of the things is he's like she's saying is like don't make contact with these things. Try to make yourself not noticeable. Which he does a piss poor job. Exactly. Like she doesn't explain explicitly like hey don't start shouting shit around. But like well, how the fuck is he supposed to find anything if he's not shouting? So what are we talking about here? And yeah, he does a horrible job of this. Right. He does a whole lot of hollering. He gets right up in a lot of people's faces. It's uh, like dude, incognito. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> it's like. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut up. Shut up, Dad. He follows a, a creepy bride, just kind of comes on the screen. He follows he her. He yells at her. He yells at her. Hey, come back. <laughs> yeah, she's actually a jump scare. A jump scare, it's yeah, fine. He, he finds his way back to their the first house. Yeah. And she walks by from behind the doorway, basically, from the dining room. And orchestra sting. Yeah. It's like, fuck you. God yeah. damn it. This, yeah. <laughs> this I felt was more atmospheric like we didn't really need the jump scares like just let this build because this is a creepy like you said in a if they had more money Maybe. I think they could have done a lot of cool stuff wait for the second one because see I get what they're trying to do and this actually would be this would be the roller coaster part of the movie yeah um there's there's a really shitty well the entire movie's shitty but Breck and Meyer dies in it it's kind of cool um Nightmare on Elm Street 6 uh, six. Okay. It's uh, Freddy's dead. With uh, with the bars, the Roseanne and uh, yes. Okay. And uh, Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. <laughs> um, yeah. The the whole finale of that movie. It was actually a 3D film. The only Tom that's done just as much coke as Tom Sizemore. <laughs> oh man, them head to head. That's a competition I would love to see. Line for line. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the entire finale of that movie was shot in 3D. And presented in 3D, oh. so you actually had classes, and they actually the characters in the movie put 3D glasses on, and so it signals the audience it's time to put your glasses on. Hey everybody, put your 3D glasses on. Put your on. 3D glasses on. <laughs> it's a it's a neat it's a stupid gimmick. It's what happens when you know a production assistant gets promoted to director. <laughs> um, not overnight, mind you, but Rachel Talalay is a funky lady, <laughs> funky in the cool way, but still funky. But um, as a result, the entire conclusion of that movie has lots of gimmickry, like lots of people holding things up to the camera because that's what you did. Yeah. Um, I could totally see that concept being applied here, where it's like it turns into a funhouse. Yeah. It's like dialogue is kept to a minimum. Um, actually, in the uh, the current era of film that we're in, master shots, like unbroken single take sequences oh, yes. are so in vogue nowadays. I it, could totally see them doing that for this. It follows kick that in the nuts. Like yeah. that 
that whole move that whole movie is just holding on shots like that. There's some good really there's a really good 360 shot in there I love. Yeah, uh, there's a Chinese movie I'm I'm still kicking myself that I didn't go see it in theaters. It's called a I think Long Day's Journey into Night. Mm. The last hour is one take. Oh no kidding. And it's apparently a great film. I love a one take. If someone's like this is one take, I'm like I'll, awesome. I no, want to see. Apparently it's a very very good art house film too, but apparently the entire last half of the movie basically is just one shot true detective has a phenomenal one take uh, but that one take sequence one takes are the the hottest shit like for the past couple of years that's that's like how it's you, impressive it's always going to be impressive yeah. i mean th- there's a reason goodfellas shot used to used to be like the gold standard for like oh we did that in one take or like rope you know it's like oh every cut is hidden behind a pillar or something but nowadays, it's like, that's old hat. Like, yeah. Like, even uh, Creed. Like, Ryan Coogler. There, there's a one-take fight in there that's, like, no a shit. solid three, three, three and a half minutes. Boxing that's hard. Scene. It's hard. It's hard to do. And it's excellent, too. It's not sloppy choreography. But in the current climate of film that we're in now, if you were to make this movie now, I think that's how you would make the further interesting. I is agree. by doing it, like, simulating a one-take of Patrick Wilson wandering through this weird environment i agree you hide all the cuts but you know you shoot it in such a way that it simulates that but yeah it, this whole sequence of him going in there i almost wish that we never cut back to the family i agree like, I, think, I think it would have been cool to just follow him that's what i'm saying this it would be more effective to build in this atmosphere because yeah. this is a very creepy atmosphere uh he sees um weird family that are smiling sitting on the couch which is a little little nuts um, Dad's whistling and dad. reading the newspaper. Mom so, looks like it's could be a could be a man in 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 women's clothing. Well, the one the mom looks like the lady who plays the witch a little not the witch the nun. She does the nun and the nun in in, in the conjuring well, well too. Well cast for their bone structure. Like they have they have a good look for creepy. If you see the actor, it's not her. I don't think. If it is, it was just an extra, or they d- deliberately kept her off. Because she was gonna come up in the Conjuring, I, it looks similar to the lady, but she very much has the has the look for it. Um, it's such a waste because she does. It's a, it's a good, creepy character, but the movie's terrible. Um, but yeah, so he's wandering through here, and he gets to the red door. He has this confrontation again. Yeah, with he the he has guy. a fucking not like not a rubber match, but he he does get his rematch, his yeah. wrestling match for the world title with Sting. Cage match. Yeah, um, he and Sting go at it. Again, yeah, he, he gives him the shove of destiny. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> um, it's a really bad wire gag too. Uh, he gets through the red door, basically gets him to the where the kids actually being held. The red room. Enter what I've heard people who like this movie also credit this to be the worst part of the movie is when we actually go to the demon's lair. This is where we're stretching too far. Yes, this is where we need to. Look at the resources we have on hand mm-hmm. and respect our limitations. Yeah. And they've failed to do so. <laughs> this, yeah, this. It looks like a meatloaf music video um, mixed with Dragula. Yeah, I was going to say, Rob, <laughs> Rob Zombie immediately pops into my head. Oh, Sid Haig, by the way. Yeah. He heard. passed away. Yeah, I was really sad because uh, for a minute there, I guess he was recovering. Yeah, then, that's what I had heard too. Yeah, I was like, God damn it. Poor guy. 
Now yeah. I kind of want to see that movie. <laughs> I ca- I'm going to go. Tree from Hell. I like watching House of a Thousand Corpses. It's a, it's a really good Halloween movie uh, for obvious reasons because it just very much has a haunted house feel to it. But well, Have you gotten your intel on Three from Hell? Because I've been reading I keep stuff. hearing great things, but yeah. I was really burned by the last couple of zombie <laughs> flicks. And I was burned by Lords of Salem, which is supposed to be one of his best ones, but I was very disappointed. Um, I, I, I so need to see 31 just because of it's so just because of the things you have to say about it. Like you, every it. time it comes up, you just like get all pissy. <laughs> I, it's really disappointing um, because I like the guy, uh, the guy from Mandy, the the chemist from Mandy, and he's in Batman. And oh, Joe Chill. Yeah, Joe Chill. I, I, yeah. I don't know the actor's name, but Forevermore, he's Joe Chill. He's the main bad guy, and it's just a disappointment. Um, but yeah, the the man with fire on his face, lipstick man, is a. Sharpening burning through stupid. the witches and digging through the ditches yeah. in his in his uh, second Layer. floor office his fun ho- like yeah he's in his sweatshop overlooking the kid he's gonna eat or whatever uh, yeah. Patrick Wilson busts the kid out no problem the demon lays chase very ineffective he gives him a good slapping too yeah which is again where we start to fuck up where it's like we don't need the, the see again uh, Ryuhei Kitamura comes up to mind because I brought this up I think last episode actually Midnight Meat Train that's a Ryuhei Kitamura directing a Clive Barker story with Bradley Cooper and Vinnie Jones the end of this Clive Barker horror movie because this is the man who gave us verses ends with a fist fight in hell yeah and that's kind of what we get here in, in Insidious where it's like I don't need to see we didn't need Lipstick to to Man slapping people Actually, it feels Schumacher. Like a it Joel, does. It feels like it Joel does. Schumacher because like of the, the lighting and everything. The, the, and the, the curtains. Yeah. <laughs> the curtains and the candles. It's like, this is very Schumacher-esque. This is very Schumacher-esque. Um, so, yeah, he gets uh, he gets the kid. Uh, somehow they get kind of split up here where the kid's getting chased by the demon. Um, they manage to get back together, and they um, end up getting out to the void again i'm just calling it the void and this is where it's a little more creepy because now they're being some good images here yeah because we're getting surrounded by these creepy people in the fog and he's yeah they're just like reaching out towards him like it's it's pretty good um they managed to get to the actual house yeah that needs to be said we're cross-cutting back and forth between the astral plane and uh the house where patrick wilson's physical body and dalton's physical body are being kept and there's some shenanigans happening in the house where the spirits in the astral plane are now u- using him, I guess, as a conduit to come yeah. to, to our plane. So the so the ghosts are, now have a physical presence and are like doing the zombie thing, like trying to bang down doors and stuff. It's actually working too. Like it, it this is effective because they're kind of like uh, I'm gonna be away from the microphone, but they're like. They're popping up kind of behind like a door frame a little bit. Like they need to be back a little bit more because they're a little too front and center well, at times. Yeah, again, this is this is like not respecting your limitations. It's like none of your makeup is that great. I don't need to see it clear as day and held on held on camera for that long. It needs to be quick cuts and it it needs to be more spooky rather than just like zombie shit. Show less. You don't need to see me. Show me a whole person. Give me half of the person, a sliver of that person. I know what's there. It's creepy, and I don't need to see the rest of it. Or you know, like do some crazy shit with the set design, where like have them take advantage of the fact that they're ghosts and maybe appear in places that you have no no ability to understand how they got there. Like, because literally, they're trying to force their way through doors. 
flimsy well, doors, by the way. <laughs> well, I have to give J- James Wan credit because he exp- he likes to explicitly give you his bad people. Like, we see the crazy lady in uh, Dead Silence quite a bit, and she's fucking terrifying. Uh, in The Conjuring, we see a couple of... Uh, couple of apparitions the one main one a couple times up close and it's very creepy um and i think in here like you're seeing it it just it's not as executed well as the other movies in my opinion um we're the uh, the pig man's actually very elusive in the saw movie i remember like it, you kind of it was hard to grasp what was happening with that yeah the pig man is only on screen for a few frames at a time effective it worked yeah, it um did. yeah it worked very well but yeah we're doing we're showing too much here um so yeah we're this is where it. I think the movie kind of brings it back. So yeah. we we get th- back to the the house. The house, house, yes. And this is where it gets creepy again. So the boys, I don't know what the boys doing, but Patrick he, he pushes him on ahead. Yeah, He's like, he go, son. And it, it's kind of it's the blocking is very strange because mm. like Patrick Wilson sets him down, and then decides he's tired. It's like you're in the kitchen. Yeah, like you are like. 20 feet from where you need to be why are you stopping well he's gonna confront the old lady who's been following him and yeah. he's yelling at her in the window get away from me get away i'm not get away and he's like i'm not afraid of you but even his voice is cracking to her i'm like i think he's very much afraid of her and she kind of like has a face change like she's like smiling laughing and it seems as though does she like go to choke him or whatever or? no actually she recedes into the darkness okay um yeah and then Happy day. Uh, Patrick Wilson ends up. He wakes up back. just in time uh, to save everyone because yeah. the ghosts are kind yeah. of encircling everyone and closing in. And I get what we're trying to do here. We're trying to use the editing to build tension on all fronts. Yeah. It's like everybody's in trouble. It's like it's the end of everything unless he wakes up and he wakes up and everyone's fine. At the time and its release, this was effective, I would say. No, I, I mean, it, I get what they're trying to do. It's just. The, yeah. The, the fine points, the subtle points to the execution just aren't quite there. But on paper, yeah, sounds great. It's what I would have done. So but, I, but, yeah, Dalton wakes up. Mom, like, his grandma's, I think, the first person to notice. It's kind of weird. Yeah, she's like, yeah, he's awake. And then we're like, oh, kind of happy. Like, oh, so we're kind of taking it. Yeah, he's eating the spaghetti. I hated this. That, oh, that spaghetti looked nasty. He's not even eating it. He's, like, using a fork and spoon, but he's, like, not, he doesn't know how to use the spoon to and get the spaghetti. you can tell it's, like, that, it's that spaghetti that's been reheated a few times, so, like, the sauce it's is... It's awful. Oh, I hate reheated. The sauce is, like, chunky. I hate reheated spaghetti. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm hungry. He's like, I'm sleepy. I'm, I'm sleepy. He's like, you've been asleep right now? You've been asleep for three months. So I've been the, cleaning your ass for three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but... Um, Elise and uh, PW were having a moment, and he's like, "Well, I guess I've kind of conquered my fears." And he's like, "Well, looking at these pictures, and won't need these anymore." And I, I think this was really good. She, I liked it. This was good. She she goes to take the picture, and her face changes very clearly, mm-hmm. and you can tell she's kind of like she's disturbed by something. And we're like, "Well, what the fuck? Like, what could possibly be happening?" And this is good. She she comes down, grabs a camera, and waits for him to look at her, and then snaps a picture at him. And he flips. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> but he starts screaming really loud 
And I'm like, how do they not hear him? He's in the other room. This is, this is where the editing becomes a problem because we do know the layout of this this building too yeah. well. And it's like, they're right there. They're right there. They're right there. <laughs> he is choking the fuck out of her. Oh, he, he he's, yells at her he's before he starts choking her. He's like, why, why would you, you do that? that? You know I don't like my picture taken. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Because she's a tiny old lady. Yeah. And he's Patrick Wilson. I like him, but yeah. he, he, he can murder people. He, he can be creepy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he, he, he's, he's choking her, and Rose Burns like, what's that commotion in there? Like, <laughs> what could that possibly be? <laughs> she goes in, and she sees, you know, Elise, eyes wide open. Like, bruises on her throat. Like, oh shit. She's like, what happened? And she sees the, uh, and then we see like a, a cutback, <laughs> apparently... Uh, at least noticed that Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart, <laughs> Patrick Wilson's different hand, movie for yeah, sure. Right? Uh, Green Room apparently is supposed to be really good. I know I've wanted to watch it for a long time. I need to watch it. It's on Prime. I might get if I get home early enough. I might do it. Um, but she notices his hands are all gross, and she's like, "Oh, that's not good." So she knew like something was up, and she snapped a picture, and it was the fucking lady. She's got a hold of Patrick Wilson, and Rose Byrne figures it out right when he's behind her, and then we poof, cut. She's like. He's like, hey, honey, and then cut. cut. And I'm like, fuck yes, dude. That that's is a, awesome. It's a good end. That's how a good, you end it. It's a good it. way to end a horror movie. Um, so, yeah, the the pre- the third one is actually a prequel to this movie from what I, from what I can remember. Um, and then the second one, I don't remember Elise being in it uh, because I think it takes place shortly after this. Or maybe they revived her. I can't remember. I kind of want to go back I, and... I want to say she's in all of them. But, I think you're right. But I, I could be wrong. I've only seen this one, and only just yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might have revived her in time. I don't know. But yeah, I was, I was a little confused by the marketing for for like I think it was the fourth movie because I, I seem to remember her being front and center for the marketing, and I was like, hang on, that lady's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I was like, oh wait, maybe it's a prequel, but like, they can't afford that. Disney de-aging CGI. No. They can't possibly afford that. <laughs> well, do you remember, did you watch that third Mummy movie at the beginning? Uh, they they have a, a person talking like, oh, they got Rachel Weisz for this third one. Uh-uh. It might be Rachel Weisz's voice or an incredible impression of her, but it is not Rachel Weisz in that third one. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Yeah. No, that we don't talk about Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Mm. That's a, that is a sore spot that for sure. That is a bad <laughs> one. But yeah, um, let's see here. I was looking up this, the last key. Uh, oh, man. Did I see this? Did I accidentally watch this one? Uh-oh. Out of order. I don't think so. I know it was uh, delayed. No, I didn't. I did because the, um, what's his face? Dylan McDermott was that third one. Or Dermot Mulroney. Uh, <laughs> uh, damn, that is really easy to do. But that third one is directed by Lee Wannell. Ah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, folks at home, upgrade like I mentioned uh, was something that I actually wanted to do for the show, but both Kyle and I watched it, and we found that we just just didn't quite have enough to say. I guess yeah, it's funny because I don't think either of us think it's a bad movie. No, it's not. It, it I get what it was doing, it and just... it's actually quite clever in a lot of ways. It's just in terms of like discussing it yeah. it's hard to discuss yeah really. I, I just don't feel that i have too much to say about it so yeah. it's like i actually kind of enjoyed it yeah i didn't have a problem with it. i was like I, it was an engaging watch i just i'm like i don't really have much to say about that 
yeah, I was really excited when it was in theaters. I ended up buying the Blu-ray and I watched it and I liked it. And that's kind of the end of that. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say I don't think that James Wan is uh, directly involved with how uh, the horror genre has the turn it's taken. Uh, like you said, to more of an art house feel. I think he's pivoting away from it because mm-hmm. some of the sillier aspects of this movie, and like what, what I was saying about scene geography and stuff like that. I think he likes horror, but I don't know that maybe he's the best guy for it. I agree. And it seems like his career is turning away from the horror genre. Like, you know, he seems to be doing just fine with blockbuster action movies. Maybe he should just keep doing those. In fact, he's heavily involved in the production of the Mortal Kombat movie. Which you and I are both very excited for. Very excited. And I'm going to be... Front and center for that. Yeah, I'm going to see that in the theater, and I'm also going to be very disappointed if the initial teaser trailer for it isn't just the fucking theme song. I don't even want to see the trailer. I don't even want to see the. I don't want to see the teasers. I don't want to see any, any no, of the just marketing. Imagine being in the theater. You're making and the trailers come up and just Mortal Just to. the entire theater would erupt. They have to. They have you to. don't even have to show any footage of the movie. In nope. fact, the earliest teasers for it. My uh, my brother always reminds me of this. Like. Some of the earliest trailers for the first Mortal Kombat movie were just like anonymous ninja people fighting. Yeah. Like not Scorpion or Sub-Zero, just anonymous ninja people. And it was fucking amazing. <laughs> you, you, you just got, you've got the song, and if as long as you've got some gore, it's going to be fantastic. Just black screen, the, the dragon icon appears, Mortal Kombat! In, in 2021, yeah. yeah. Just 2021. Done. Done. Yep, you've Sold. got me. <laughs> So yeah, I uh, rated R. <laughs> I think it, like he, his contribution to the horror genre was good on the whole. I think that the ones that I mentioned were rewatchable. I think that they were spooky at the time. Um, there are definitely better horror movies from this uh, from here. Uh, the Descent uh, specifically. Uh, the the others was a little bit early. Um, strangers. Stranger. Yeah, the Strangers. I, I still think was probably my favorite, but. Uh, we might have to uh, forego um, the ritual, which the reason why I was going to have that on there was because it was a, a Netflix uh, film, Netflix um, release film mm-hmm. that I was surprised at how how well it was done. Like I was actually shocked, like how much I actually enjoyed it. Like, wow, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I might switch that out for uh, Sinister because I found Sinister to be very very dark. Um, very, very uncomfortable, very spooky, in a different way. More of a seven way than um, uh, supernatural. Okay. So, and it's got Ethan Hawke. So, it, it might actually, it might get bumped. So, what's the roadmap looking like so, for killer for Kyle's Killer October? Because so, are, are we going for a certain vibe in horror? Or are we... I, I wanted to focus on contemporary horror uh, for this month. Uh, I don't know how next October will be. If I get the uh, reins again, I might be changing it up and catching up on stuff that neither one of us have seen. Uh, there's plenty of that out there. Yeah. Um, we do have our fucked up shit month. Uh, oh, coming yeah. eventually, which we're both looking forward to. Oh, it's been on the list for a while now. Yeah, it's going to be a fun month. Um, but next week, I want to do The Babadook. Um, I believe it's a lady director, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Um, it's an Australian film, or a, or, a Z, or a Kiwi film. I think it might be a joint Kiwi-Aussie production. Um, it's her first film, I think. I think you're right. Uh, and it's it, it's a very good story. I think the there's some stop motion, there's some um, computer animation that I find very effective in that film. And in like Hereditary, we're, we're using we're using actual emotions to tell a story. Like it's it's a little different for a 
for a horror movie approach. Familial drama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, familial drama. That's exactly what it is, and I'm, I'm, I think you'll really enjoy it. I think you can take a lot from that one. No, I've been wanting to see it since it came out. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Mm-hmm. It was. Every, it seems like every half year or so, there's like the big horror movie that comes out that kind of like sets the tone for the for the years to come or whatever. And that was kind of one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, but we're, lately we're getting so many of these. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's it's hard to define like a like a single definable movement that we're in the middle of. But Baba Duke definitely made some waves. Well, I think. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say I think Aronofsky is kind of um, inadvertently kind of put his touch on the genre because I think that without Aronofsky we wouldn't have Ari Aster doing Hereditary for what I can understand Midsommar which are quote unquote horror thriller ish and the pacing of Hereditary I think is more of an Aronofsky pacing where it's very dread and it builds and it doesn't let you go at a certain point well it's really strange is actually I saw an interview with the Midsommar's Ari Aster his director I saw an interview with him, and the way he was describing his own film, Midsommar, was that it was a relationship drama. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and Hereditary, I don't know how I would describe it, but... It's a... I think it's a, like, willfully disjointed film in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it knows... It knows what it's doing. Like there, there is a confident guiding voice throughout the entire thing, but there's so many disparate elements here and there that's like, I, I, I don't quite, I don't quite piece it together. But the person who made it clearly has a single distinct vision in mind. It adds up to something good, but at the same time, it's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> well, like the the dread you get from an Aronofsky film where you're just like, I can't handle this. This is too dark or this is too stressful of an environment. I can't handle this. That's how I feel with Hereditary, except he's doing it with Supernatural. Well, what's funny is like Aronofsky, I, I may not be intimately familiar with his filmography, but I don't think of him as a horror director. He's not at all. But that's why I'm saying like but he's in not... This, this art house horror environment, we're getting those kinds of movies he's rubbed off and i think that that is changing the genre a little bit yeah where it's like this is difficult to label distinctly as a horror movie yeah it's just it's a weird type of drama that happens to involve horrific things mm-hmm. yeah it's it's cool it's, yeah it just makes it difficult to define I guess. <laughs> but yeah so that was uh that was insidious 2010 did you have any other things you want to say about uh, jimmy wan <laughs> Uh, no, I just uh, I wish him well, yeah. and I, I hope Mortal. I hope he doesn't fuck up Mortal Kombat. I'm Although he's not directing, he's it. not directing it. He's yeah. not directing. That, to be fair, <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks so much for joining us as we caught up on Insidious. Uh, tune in next week, I guess, for the Babadook. The Babadook.